We live in a world of violence, war, magic, and the supernatural. I am here to bring you a glimmer of hope for tomorrow. This is the Voice of Hope podcast, and you can call me Beacon, your auditory guide to the safety of Castle Refuge. To all Tomorrow Legion teams in the field, the Council of Hope passes a message of rest and celebration to you. Take some much-needed R&R, comrades. The days grow long here in North America as we enter in the height of the summer season. It seems that every culture celebrates some form of holiday during this time of the year. In July, the CS celebrates Coalition Day, the day the Coalition states were formed, supposedly declaring human independence from all things alien and magic. I have also heard the Summer Solstice Festival in Laszlo is a breathtaking show of how celestial events can unleash cosmic levels of mystic energy. Here at Castle Refuge, we are celebrating the Keystone Festival. The dwarves of Clan Hammerheart have a tradition of celebrating the first stone of a new community. Since the first refugees arrived at the castle, there have been major changes. A city of white marble in the mountains is steadily taking form, while the growing undercity is equally impressive. Like Master Smith's, the Hammerheart clan has been skillfully merging into numerous different and often desperate cultures, technologies, and powers. The most impressive feat is the growing pyramid atop our local nexus point. Several new dwarven stone masters in concert with legion shifters and techno wizards are creating a nexus control facility in the spirit of some of the Laszlo facilities. Part of the design will provide mystical energy from our lee lines to opening controlled rifts at its center. The facility also provides the ability for the Legion to move people and equipment through the ley lines. It also has provided a number of pathways for our allies in Laszlo, New Laszlo, Magestar, and Psyscape to come and visit us. In addition, it also has one level dedicated to megaversal travel. This facility will also serve as the launch point of the Legion's newest asset, the Refuge Tower. This mobile command base and weapons platform was secretly constructed for a major strategic mission deep within the Magic Zone. It is an amazing construction and can transport a Legion company, support personnel, and combat vehicles to conflict zones that require the strength of the Legion. The new Nexus facility will enable the tower to even travel to other dimensions to support MSET teams. Once the new facility is complete, the Legion and Clan Hammerheart engineers will begin construction of additional towers to expand Legion coverage. It is a very exciting time, my friends. In addition with the celebration, our friend Callaton has a message. Unfortunately, it seems that our friends in the Oklahoma Territory have uh, run into some additional problems. I will let Callaton explain it to you himself. Hey, Beacon, it's Gallatin again. I have a story to tell you about a recent run-in with some black market types. You see, I was on patrol with my community outreach team. Smiley McSmiley Face, our crackletooth leader, had us going to check on a community we had helped out a couple of months back. Radio equipment and techno wizardry need a lot of maintenance, you know. So we went to visit a little village called Marbra, a ways north of the town of Aiken I was telling you about before. We had helped them set up a small medical facility and a comm tower to put them into our relay network. Well, when we got there, about a dozen armed locals blocked our entrance to the town. One guy even had a rocket launcher aimed at our fury beetle. Smiley asked what was going on, and they said they just didn't want our kind there. Well, we gotta respect the wishes of the locals, so we turned around and set up camp five miles away. During Sarah's watch, Sarah's a psychic's alien mechanic with some psionic powers. Well, anyway, during her watch, our proximity alarm went off. We started rousing ourselves right quick. It seemed a dozen or so villagers from Marbra didn't like our presence there. 
They weren't well armed, but a couple of them had ion rifles. Well, once they got close enough, they started laying suppressing fire on us from multiple angles. Their problem was we had the Grackletus, our leader Smiley, and our muscle Mickey. They were immune to most of what they were putting on us. It's important to praise what makes a good leader a good leader, and Smiley has good leadership skills. He could have had Mickey unload a belt from his railgun to push him off us, but see, he surmised these folks were in over their heads, and we shouldn't kill folks without serious reason. He shouted to us, Don't kill any of them! Just get them off of us! Then he had to make sure most our most vulnerable members, Sarah and Wilbur, were safe. Well, Mickey thought it was a hoot to run around taking old-timey bullets, while our most maneuverable teammate, Chinnit, slipped out of the camp and started taking them down with her hands. She's a quick flex with a bunch of cybernetic parts, so it turned out to not be so hard for her to help out. I used defensive magic to keep myself safe and draw some of their fire, too. Well, except for a little ion burn Smiley took, we were unharmed. Most of the people also realized they were outmatched. Smiley told us not to pursue. Now, Chinnitz did manage to subdue four of them, so got the chance to question them. A bit of back and forth with them showed us these guys weren't real interested in chasing us, but the new mayor of Marlboro wanted them to do it. They sort of didn't know much about the mayor, but they said he was new in town and just sort of took over. We're a small team, and Smiley felt like we got too lucky that night. So he had a mind to head back to Castle Refuge and see what they wanted to do. You see, most of us are a noisy lot. Well, most of us by mass, anyway, seeing as one grackletooth weighs about as much as the rest of us combined. Dealing with that problem required stealth, subterfuge, and diplomacy. We're more guns, wrenches, and sutures. Well, that's when a fa wee fairy slipped out of one of their backpacks. I noticed this, but the little guy looked ragged and was trying to be stealthy. Well, Smiley gave them their guns back and sent them on their way home. Once those guys are on their way, I uncovered a piece of bark the fairy was hiding under. He was surprised by my action, but you know what? That fella recognized me. It turned out he was from Queen Fraxiania's people. While the rest of the team looked in astonishment, the poor little guy told us about how his friends were minding their business when a bunch of big people burst into their camp and started rounding them up and, with machines and magic. Some of them got lucky, but most, including the queen, were captured. Cud Wilthwip, the fairy, told us how he managed to slip out of the cage he was in and get into the backpack of one of the villagers who assaulted us. He said there were a bunch of big armed people in Marlboro, so we knew something was up. We all had a few questions about what happened to that town. Who was there? Why did they kidnap a bunch of fairies? Why did they send incompetent people to shoot at us? Well, Smiley got mad. Whatever they wanted to do with fairies, it couldn't be good. So he said we needed a plan. Sarah said we needed more information, and I agreed. Storming a town is risky for all sorts of reasons. We worked out that they probably hadn't met me, really, and I was just a human, so I could probably just walk around the village like I was a traitor or something. Problem was that the Fury Beetle would be too suspicious, and I didn't know what, how to drive Sarah's custom electric buggy. Well, that meant she'd have to drive, so we'd go in as a team, with Sarah being my silent partner. 
We loaded her buggy up with a bunch of electronic equipment and such. We also put on a lousy paint job while Sarah slapped on some widgets as cosmetic accessories. Then we drove up to Marlboro in the afternoon to act like traitors. When we got there, the guards asked us about the usual stuff, like where we came from and what we were trading. We'd worked that stuff out before, so things moved pretty well, and they let us into town. But they told us there was a section of town that was off-limits. We did some trading, but it all felt a bit wrong, selling those people stuff we were going to give them anyway. It went pretty great, though, because Sarah could use her mind link to give me the technical details I needed to sell the stuff, and then buy some spare parts along with quality leather Marlboro was known for. By evening, we could get away from the prying eyes and take a look around. While Sarah stayed in the tent by the buggy, I slipped on my trusty shadow cloak and snuck into the forbidden side of town. It turned out to be kind of difficult, though. I learned real quick that they had some mages who could see invisible because I could see they were focusing on those pins for the fairies. I couldn't get close enough to figure them out, so I had to fi try to figure out what else they had going on. Listening in, I figured they were planning to draw in a bunch of clientele for an auction of the poor fairy folk. Apparently, we had two days before the auction, so we had a big, big problem. See, if they were bringing all sorts of folks who would buy living and thinking beings, we would be up to our eyeballs and enemies. If the auction was going to be two days, we were in even deeper trouble, because that meant a bunch of them were probably already in town. I told Smiley about this on the radio when I got back, and he said, yeah, we were in a bind. We needed to get those fairies out without killing a bunch of innocent townsfolk. See, that's when Sarah spoke up. She doesn't say much, and when she does, it sound, can sound pretty confusing. She doesn't think in a very straight line. Anyway, she's got this obsession with communication electronics, and she said we really needed to confuse people that way. She'd been monitoring radio traffic, and she'd broken the code of the people who had trapped the fairies while I was out. She figured they were part of the Immortal Hand. I had to explain to her that the Immortal Hand is a black market faction dealing with magical stuff. She also said there had been a bunch of monsters from Atlantis who had brought some, who bought some fairies. We went back and forth about what that meant and how the black market made money but I could see the cogs in her head spinning. She figured she could hack into their communications pretty easy. She just needed to know what to say. Well, we worked out a plan that night. The next morning, we got the rest of our team to start moving toward Marbra. Sarah figured out where their scout was, so Chinnitz could neutralize them. Then our team made it to the entry into town, and we got Sarah's assistant, Wilbur, to use his impersonating voices skill to get the locals to let the rest of their team in. Once our guys were in the town limits, Sarah pulled her best trick. She set an alert that a bunch of Splugorth slavers were coming in from the other side of town, and that everyone needed to fight them off. Those Splugies love fairies, so we figured it was plausible. Well, it mostly worked. Sarah and I rode the bucket toward the area with the fairies, but they'd left a pretty good guard. We had to bail out as they blasted our poor buggy with techno-wizard guns. I put up magical defenses and we moved to co cover behind a retaining wall. 
Then the Fury Beetle came tearing into the same street right behind the burning buggy. Smiley and the others were shooting away against those immortal hand gags, but it looked like no one was getting anywhere, and we were on the clock. I grabbed Sarah's hand, and we started running for the another part of the immortal hand's perimeter. We got to a fence where we could see some of the mages still guarding the fairies. I'd recently picked up a new spell that let me pass through barriers, so I used that on both Sarah and me. At this point, Sarah was terrified, but I told her we had to do our duty. Sarah's not a fighter, though, so I could see her laser rifle shaking as she got behind the cover of some cargo. With my trusty ice blast shotgun, I ran forward toward those mages, seeing as they were distracted by the other fight and a few willful fairies. When I was ten yards away, though, they saw me, and I let loose with a blast of magical ice. They hurled magical spears of fire right back at me, the first ones hidden, but unready for the strength of the defenses I had already set up. One of the three mages took a laser shot to the leg and fell prone, but another hit me pretty hard with a much stronger spell, burning my left arm real bad. But I managed to knock out the other, I think. I hurt, but sometimes adrenaline does wonderful things. I put a lot of my power into a soul blast that put the last guy down. I knew I had to get the fairies before the burns of my arm caught up with me. So I dropped my old gun and got to the cages while Sarah finished off the one she'd knocked prone. Without the guards there, the fairies were figuring their own way out, and I helped them use the keys they found to open the cages. That happened pretty fast, and then I started to get pretty woozy. What I know happened next was those fairies were started attacking the guys fighting the rest of our crew, and that stopped them. It turned out the black market guys had killed George, the Fury Beetle, so we were out of a means of conveyance. Sarah thought fast, though. She hotwired a military-looking vehicle the immortal hand was using, and we scrammed. I later learned it was one of those Golden Age weaponsmith Bradleys. We plowed through the debris in the street to get to our team. It turned out they had also been fighting a Kidian Power Lord from Atlantis. That monster was still breathing in the street. I wasn't the only one hurt. Chinitz was unconscious and losing blood, and Mickey had a big plasma burn on his right side. Sarah drove the crazy vehicle while Smiley somehow used the turret to help force our exit. Fortunately, most of the immortal hand guys had fallen for our trick so we managed to get away. It took a while, but I got us mostly healed up. We had to head straight back to Castle Refuge, though, because all our supplies were gone. Sadly, it seems the Atlantean monsters had already taken Queen Frexiana. Now, I know the black market is important to run in the Tomorrow Legion, but it feels like a deal with the devil, especially after a run-in like that. We gotta be careful about who we make business with, or we could end up just like another group of self-serving mercs. I mean, the immortal hand was making deals with the wicked creatures of Atlantis. Oh, and Beacon, I've decided to try to get Queen Fraxiania back. She's important to her people, and she helped me out of a bad scrape before. Callaton, you and your team's dedication to the Legion's ideals has become an example for many within the Legion to strive towards, and I thank you for it, my friend. 
Legion Command supports your mission to rescue the Fairy Queen and tasks you with finding out as much information as you can about the Atlantean operations within this part of North America. Akkadian Power Lord, operating this far from Atlantis's normal stomping grounds, has captured even the attention of Laszlo. Everyone wants to know why Atlantis is focused this far, this deep, into North America. Please tread carefully, my friend. Whatever you need, the Legion will provide. And for those moving through North America towards Castle Refuge, stay safe. Enjoy your festivities. The food, the drink, the merriment, the comradeship. Look around you to your friends and your family. Hug them, smile, and enjoy the time. For now, at this moment, you are safe. Speak to you again soon. Hey, Rifters. It's been a while since we've had Sean Roberson on, and he was nice enough to agree to join us today. Hey, Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? Uh, fair to Midland. Upright and breathing, as I tell a lot of people here recently, but uh, getting back <laughs> into the podcasting, so that's good to know. I'm glad to see it. Yeah, how about you? How are how are things in Michigan? Michigan, um, yeah, I'm a Michigander now. I'm, I'm all, once a Texan, always a Texan, right? But um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I I like it up here. The weather is good. We've got uh, at first when Kevin asked me to join Palladium Books, uh, one of the things he said is he said, you know, this means you have to move up here. And I was like, I gotta live in Detroit. What? <laughs> But fortunately, we're not actually right. It's not it's not downtown Detroit or anything like that. We're actually um, nice neck of the woods west of Detroit in Westland, Michigan, um, real near Canton, about halfway between Detroit and Ann Arbor. It's a really, really, really nice area. Really beautiful area. Glad to be up here. Um, the offices uh, and warehouse, the studio, if you will, is in a great place to be a writer. Not a lot of noise or anything. Plenty of trees outside. Nice. Uh, you can see the weather. So you know, I, I, I like that. It you know, being able to see the weather from my office, go on a walk, and you know, <laughs> chat with Kevin every day, and those things really help. That's cool. Yeah, Michigan's one of those states that I have not gotten to yet. So hopefully, you'll uh, change that at some point. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, pleasantly surprised. I've lived on the West Coast and the East Coast when I was in the military. I've I've lived in Colorado, and obviously I'm from Texas, but uh, hadn't really been up here before. But it's nice. I like it. That's cool. Well, I mean, of course, it's always fun chatting with you, but let's get down to business, right? Because, you know, people, sure. people listen to for, this right? podcast to hear us talk about being old men and, and roaming around the <laughs> U.S., but they definitely want to hear some catch-up on Savage Riffs, right? So, um, yeah. So a few weeks ago, you did the unboxing of the Atlantis box set. So is there anything you want to share with listeners about the Kickstarter? Uh, what can people expect right now uh, with where it's at? So... From what I understand, I um, my information is a few days old, um, but uh, the boxes, I believe, are in the United States. They're making their way to the Studio 2 warehouses where they'll be shipping out from. So people should be uh, receiving their Atlantis Rising uh, Kickstarter rewards very shortly. Um, <clears throat> I will say that when and if you do get, get a chance, go check out uh, the... Uh, you know the Savage Worlds. Uh, what, uh, what what am I saying? Uh, the Pinnacle uh, YouTube channel, mm -hmm. um, and 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 you can check out the unboxing uh, for yourself. Um, it was really great. Uh, 
talked a little bit with Simon Lucas, uh, the executive producer, and then uh, Chris Landauer and I went through the unboxing. Um, but uh, no, the one thing I w- I'd like to say about it is it's one of these, it's, it's an interesting thing when you work and you're writing and you're working on art and art approvals and requests. I mean, requesting the art like it was all my idea, right? So if something's really terrible, it's probably my fault at some <laughs> level. Um, but uh, it's really cool to see it come together. And so that was one of the things that really blew me away when we were doing the unboxing video. That was, I hadn't seen the product yet. Um, nice. So the, 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 the maps, the, 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 the tactical combat maps of uh, the Atlantean uh, Magic Pyramid and uh, the, in, the outside and the inside of it um, on the reverse side. And then the uh, ruins, uh, the apocalyptic ruins map. Uh, I think they came out really great. They're, and they're huge, as you can see in the video. You see photos online and it's really not the same thing. Um, and then when when we're going through the pawns, I mean, it's just a a lot of pawns, but also b they they're really high quality. And and after I even did the video, Kevin and I sat down and went through them, and and I showed them to Alex Marcinizen, and everyone in the office went through, and we looked at it, and we're just really impressed with the quality of uh, the um, you know the, the paper pawns. So I think that this is something that a lot of fans, any fan of of Savage Worlds, uh, any fan of Palladium games. Um, and riffs especially can get a lot of mileage out of these because you could use these with just about any game, but there's so many different monsters and really great art uh, that I think it can bring a lot to any table. But these are these are these are these are uh, accessories besides the core book itself, which is also very beautiful. Uh, that I think are going to last people a long time, a long time. That's cool. I am definitely looking forward to getting mine. Um probably uh, won't get to play it anytime soon but just the way life is <laughs> recently but uh um so such as the life of a role player sometimes especially during <laughs> pandemics yeah exactly actually it's funny well I, I, if you if you don't mind I'll, I'll take the chance there too to plug that we do have since the last time i was on here we do have really great uh virtual tabletop support for roll 20 and foundry for savage rifts as well oh uh, along yeah. with these products yeah i have not uh I have not purchased it. So was it the official for Atlantis? Has that been released yet? Or is it just a, uh, a, add-on no, I, 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 and yeah, Atlantis, I, um, hasn't is being worked on. I believe it is not released yet, mm-hmm. but a lot of those things are in the works, but you've already got the three core books mm-hmm. and, um, they're rolling out more and more content, uh, every week. Actually, I go, I, I attend the weekly pinnacle meetings as often as I can and um, they're rolling out new content for Pathfinder, for Savage Worlds, um, for Savage Rifts, for Deadlands. It's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Uh, a really hardworking team of people at Sigil Entertainment That's that cool. uh, does all of that for for Pinnacle. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I see hints from different people on the different discords that are working on some of it. I mean, they're not releasing anything official, but you know, th- people drop hints here and there. So. Um, but of course you also have a second day job where you're working at Palladium books and the, you guys just had the Palladium books open house here recently. How did it go over with the, like, were there a lot of people interested in what was going on with Savage Rifts and the things that can cross over between Palladium and Savage Worlds? I think so. The first, and this was, it was interesting. Um, the open house. So Palladium is, is up in 
Michigan, as we were just talking about, and I'm from Texas, from Houston, which, if you don't know, uh, Texas is deceptively large to drive across. <laughs> um, so for me in the past, uh, Palladium Open Houses, I hadn't been able to attend any. And I'd been meaning to attend one, but because uh, the the next one, air quotes, because it kept getting pushed back due to the pandemic and and, and, and related circumstances. So this is actually the first uh, Palladium Open House I was able to attend. And I was, I'll just say, I'm really impressed with the fans and the depth of the fandom and how just wonderful everyone was. It was a very pleasant environment uh, to be in. And uh, I, I also, I felt very, very uh, lucky to be associated with, with riffs and with, um, and, and, and with Kevin and, and everything. Uh, the, the, the fans were just very welcoming. Um, and that was great. I, I, I met and, and have had a ton of fun with Savage Worlds fans as well. But uh, it was great to be welcomed by uh, Palladium Rules fans as well. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun. There were actually more people than I expected that were running. Um, so they were running riffs using Savage Worlds rules, and so I think there were about include besides me. I think there were three or four other um, game masters that were running Savage Worlds at least a portion of the time. Um, quite a few people had played it, uh, and maybe whether they preferred, say, Palladium rules or they would run the Savage Worlds rules for, say, uh, their friends or, or if their kids or someone were new to, to role-playing, they might run them through the other one. Uh, there was a lot of different preferences that people discussed with me. But, but yeah, it was really great to see people just positively and openly talking about uh, Rifts and, and Savage Worlds uh, rules with that and, uh, you know, some of the different things that people might prefer from one system or the other. Um, but I, there were, there, yeah, it was a really good time. It was a really good time, really positive. That's awesome to hear. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So with the, just kind of keep things focused on Savage Worlds here for a little bit. Um, sure, sure. Not only with uh, the Atlantis Rising, um, like you introduced some new spells or some new powers in there. Um, but also there's been some changes to the base suede book here recently. Also, there's been some releases of the superpowers companion, the fantasy companion. So right. with the, some of the changes that have happened in the core rules, how are those going to translate into Savage Rifts? Do you think? Yeah, I've been asked this question quite a bit. Um, it's come up uh, as, as many viewers or I should say listeners will know. Um, the, I answer the uh, questions, um, on the official uh, Savage Worlds um, forums and uh, for Savage Rifts. Uh, I'll, I'll answer all the official Q&A. Um, if I can't, maybe uh, Clint Black does, but in general, that's me. And uh, we have had some questions about stuff like that. So my advice, right, in the meantime, we are working on bringing some of those changes in. Uh, we want to make sure that we do it in a comprehensive manner instead of just catches catch can with a couple here and a couple there um and so that it's all a cohesive whole um and so in the meantime i would suggest using the mega powers list online because that has the the i guess you would say the 
the current the the way that some of the mega power modifiers work if you change the paradigm of the base power it doesn't always line up perfectly so in, in the meantime i would suggest using those slightly um older versions of the powers while we're working on the updated ones and and you know for any game masters out there that wants to give it a shot hey this is your chance to to give it a little try um with how you might see converting over some of the mega power modifiers to the new powers, uh, especially the changes to the core Savage Worlds powers. Um, but when it comes to the other ones, yes, we're looking at the Superpowers Companion, the Fantasy Companion, and, 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 and the Pathfinder um, for Savage Worlds book as well. To And we're also taking a look at Deadlands, um, a little bit of a retrospective at Deadlands, um, to see what we want to, or, or you know, uh, bring into Savage Rifts, and we're working on a big update for that. So uh, that can, uh, it takes a little bit of time, right, uh, to, to prepare these things, but uh, to get that out there to the fans. And I didn't want it to slow down production on um, the next supplements coming up for Savage Rifts, but uh, we're at a good spot right now with those that uh, I believe that it's okay, it, we're, we're focusing on the, the rules updates now. So that should be hopefully coming soon. Any now, now, one of the things I do want to point out is we are taking a look at say um, powers in um, other companions or or, or settings that uh, or, or power modifiers that we could we could adapt, and you might see those coming in a few different formats. Um, first off, I'll say if it's a companion book, we those. You know, Savage Rifts and the official Q&A, for instance, we officially support Savage Rifts and the core Suede rulebook, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other stuff, we don't necessarily... that There's no official support for those for Superpowers or official support for Fantasy Companion um, or Superpowers Companion. But um, one of the things I would suggest is discuss it with your friends, say on the Savage Rifts Facebook group or on the Castle Refuge uh, forum in the Savage Rifts forums, uh, the official Pinnacle forums. And we, I read all of those posts. So I'll definitely see if, if the community is discussing something and they like it or there's pros and cons, um, that, that we'll be taking a look at that. It, as we, when it comes to the companion material, a lot of times we're looking to update the free PDF um, called How to Savage Your Favorite Riffs Ideas. Um, yep. We will be updating that with more of the, I guess you would say, kind of like unofficial, this is what we would suggest to how to do a superhero or something um, to match the power level of most Rifts campaign, you know, Savage Rifts campaigns. Um, on the other hand, the other way that you can see them, that, and that's more of unofficial, but we're giving you some guidance. Um, but you will see powers coming into, uh, say, Savage Rifts world books. Um, and uh, you will also see um, some of them maybe being added uh, it, it also just, say, in a PDF format in, say, the um, Mega Powers list like we have right now. But for instance, in Atlantis and the Demon Seas, there are two new powers, and one of those I uh, took inspiration from some of the powers that are available in Energy, energy Disruption in, in Palladium Rifts, and then took some of the ideas from uh, the Deadland Lost Colony, um, cool, and and brought it over as a power. Right. Um, another one was uh, was uh, the the 
not present sense, but uh, what is it called? Uh, like basically the scrying type power. Um, can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But anyways, yeah, you'll see more of that in future books um, that we are going to have. We're going to be slowly expanding uh, powers that way as well. So, so there's a few different ways you might see those things appear in, in future Savage Rifts material. Um, but anything that we think is really critical is going to be in that uh, rules update that we're currently working on. Okay. Well, here here's a here's a kind of a spitball question then for sure. Sean Roberson, the game master, not Sean Roberson, the writer. Um, so, how would Sean Roberson, the game master, say do Dimension f- Book Four, the uh, Scrapers, using uh, Savage Worlds? Uh, let's see, Roberson, the game master. Um... Now, I, I, full disclosure, I've never played Scrapers, but I'll, I'll, let's do Wormwood, if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, I was, tr- I played I was trying Wormwood to go for more of the super, time. so let's say Heroes Unlimited then. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, because Scrapers is very much that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just hadn't played any campaigns there. But yeah, Heroes Unlimited, uh, Scrapers, um, well, and, and, and also um, Ooh, you could want to take some of the fantasy-type material and bring it into Rifts. Um, that could be really neat too. So I, I think that um, as the as Robertson the GM, I would just make sure that a you don't want you don't want whatever that superhero is doing to be completely overshadowing or doing something you know one focused thing way better than someone else in the party. And I mean that's kind of a general rule when you're role playing. Anyways, you don't want two people playing. Uh, a reductive role inside of a group. Like if you had a cyberdoc and a body fixer, unless you're playing a specific kind of campaign, that may be too much overlap in a, in a, in a smaller group, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same way I would look at that. Um, and then the other thing is, is I think that, um, that again, you just want to make sure that uh, a lot of it, the, the PowerPoints, like the way that the build points that they use for the Superpowers Companion doesn't always line up with, say, the build points that you would use for building a race. Oh. Say with um, the multi, what what is it? Uh, I don't remember what it's called, the Superpowers Companion, but abilities like super speed or whatever that would allow you to ignore a multi-action penalty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Right, that's a different number of points in the the build rules in the Savage Worlds uh, uh, Adventure Edition than it is in the I think the current version or the final version of Superpowers Companion. Right, so and I say that just because sometimes I misremember things because I see these things as they're being developed a lot of times, and so um, my my memory can get fuzzy in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> And I sound insane to someone because they're like, well, that's not what it says anymore. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that from right this other iteration. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's I, I think the main thing is just to make sure it doesn't completely overpower. And then the other thing I'll say is at the beginning of the Tomorrow Legion Player's Guide, I do have um, – I did add this in the revised edition of Savage Drifts is on page 8 of the Tomorrow Legion Player's Guide is Introducing Other Heroes. So it has uh, build rules for how to introduce heroes from other settings, like, say, Deadlands or Last Parsec or uh, some of the companion books. Um, now, the, when I wrote this, of course, the companion books weren't out yet. So in, with something like the Superpowers Companion, you need to take a look at, for instance, 
what is that power level relative? And, and, and I just haven't gotten a chance to play with the final new version of the superpowers companion enough yet to answer that definitively. And we'll be looking at that some more. Um, but, um, that you that deciding the right power level is important and then beyond that is just making sure that um say with the fantasy companion um there are some edges that do different things or similar things to edges in rifts and when you have a in savage rifts and so when you have a conflict like that my suggestion is uh that the game master needs to make a careful decision over whether they're going to err on the side of the savage rifts version which is what i would generally suggest uh, or if they're going to say, okay, we're going to use this other edge instead because of XYZ reason. Um, you just need to make some, some, some careful decisions there because sometimes, uh, as any good GM knows, a couple of edges, uh, poorly written or poorly understood, can totally upend uh, the balance and, even, and the fun in, say, your combat encounters. Yeah, I can see that. I I don't disagree with with any of that. Actually, it's uh, kind of just talking about some of the stuff from like uh, Superpowers Companion. Uh, the last episode I did, I talked uh, focused on the crazy, and even in the new Supers Companion, there's a lot of good hindrances that probably could be uh, uh, substituted for some of the uh, psychic stuff in the psychic de- degradation table in a pretty cool way. Sure, and that's one of the things that I will say that I really love about the new companions is they're not just a retread of the previous edition's companion. Agreed. Um, the, the new companions are breaking really great ground. They're doing a lot of innovative stuff. The other thing that's been really interesting and fun for me is Shane has asked me to take a look at a lot of the things in the companions, especially early on, I would say, mm-hmm. um, when it came to equipment and things like that, to make sure that they um, play nicely with riffs. Um, and so that's one of the things now, the one that campaign that, uh, I mean, it's, I don't even know when it's going to be released or anything like that, but I did do, um, a bunch of work on, uh, early versions of the superpowers companion or not, sorry, the, the science fiction companion. So that is also going to, uh, play very well with riffs. So those are, those are really nice things about it. Again, I like, there's a lot of innovative stuff in there, um, in the, the companion books, the new ones. And, um, they also are, we're working really hard to make sure at Pinnacle to make sure that they're going to play well with the Savage Rifts material. That's good. Yeah, because one of the things, I mean, when we were doing a lot of the initial play test for the Suede edition of Savage Worlds mm. or uh, Savage Rifts, there was a lot of discussion about making sure things like Mars packages couldn't be more power or like they wouldn't take the niche of something that was an iconic framework. So like in the sure. in the first uh, like general in the deluxe version of savage rifts there was a lot of concern about the do your own uh, mars could be more powerful psychic and more powerful magic user than even the mind melter or the uh the ley line walker, ley line walker. So, um and i would say with the same thing with the superpowers companion i was gonna if i were to gm it i probably would not allow them to make like iron man or something like that because you can already do that in in savage in savage rifts so Exactly. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, and I think that's a more broadly applicable thing to consider. Is right. Um, don't 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 let them uh, 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't let them rebuild the toaster, right? So if 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 you already have a ley line walker or a mine melter or um, a elite power armor pilot, the glitter boy, don't replace that with the rules in say the superpowers companion. If you want to do a superpowers uh, companion type character, I would suggest to make sure that it's something unique that can't be done normally with with savage rifts cool well and again this and then is- oh another thing by the way just real quick yeah. before i forget uh, another thing i'll throw out there is is the superpowers companion also takes a different approach to races right a lot of your abilities that you purchase for your character are, are considered that in the lore of the comic book or whatever the superhero genre that those abilities are part of your quote-unquote race whereas that's different in savage rifts you choose a race then you choose an iconic framework right and so make sure not to cross those uh those streams too much either ray you want us to cross the streams what (laughs) (laughs) going back to um uh game master uh sean though how would you use something like say bases out of the superpower companion or the or the fantasy companion in savage rifts you know that's that's I think that there are something really cool that you can do there. Um, I think that I think and the funny thing is I've read through them um, and I've read through the material that's prepared right now for the science fiction companion as well. And I, I would say use what best fits your campaign. So running a normal Tomorrow Legion campaign and your characters are setting up a fort or something um, for the Tomorrow Legion, then maybe you want to lean more on the fantasy companion's rules. Um, But if you're going for something like a high-tech, hidden base out in the Pacific, right, where you're working with the new Navy or something, then maybe the superpowers companion would make more sense flavor-wise, right? Um, so that's hard to say. I think you need to really take a look at exactly how you're using it as a game master in um, in riffs, in savage riffs, and then um, kind of do the light tap dance accordingly. <laughs> but uh, I definitely say that there's there's a lot of material there that you can get a ton of mileage out of, and I think it's really great to give the players and the game master. Um, just one more storytelling tool that they, because that's one of the things I really like about the, um, those new rules, um, for these bases is that they, it, it prompts new adventures. It prompts stories. Uh, it's very interactive. It, it, it helps add a, a dimension of progress for the group or the team. So I think it's really neat stuff. Awesome. And then yeah. something that also I'll say again, please let us know, uh, go, you know, again, uh, Savage Worlds Facebook group, the uh, you know Reddit, uh, or the, um, the 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 official uh, forums, uh, Castle Refuge, a great place to say, hey, I tried this out and this worked for me, and I, cla- I you know, I didn't use this upgrade or this upgrade because they didn't seem to fit, or I, I changed this or that. We'd love to hear your feedback, right? Because this is the kind of stuff that, um, especially once the other companions are out uh we might look at say hey how could we apply this to savage rifts and so it'd be great to have everyone's feedback uh early on when we're just looking at the initial development 
cool. Of course, uh, with you run uh, Savage Rifts games as well, are there any house rules that you've secretly stolen from out in the community? You know, you're like, wow, that person's got a great idea. I'm just going to steal that for my table. For Savage Rifts? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Um, <laughs> um, there are some cool things that uh, that I've been looking at, and I don't know if these are really house rules as much as I really like the downtime rules in Pathfinder. Um, I think that it's neat to have a structured downtime. Okay. Um, and uh, I also am a big fan of... Um, let me see... Uh, well, I'm a big fan of of, of uh, map camp, map based campaigns. I'm, I'm getting into the hex crawl genre a little bit. I never really got into that, and I experienced that a couple of years ago, and um, had an amazing experience at uh, Alcon one year, and and was just like, man, this is just totally enraptured me. Um, but th- I think those things are really fun, and that was part of the reason that I added some of the stuff that I did to the um, uh, to our Legion field manual. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are, are, are things that uh, kind of came out of house rules or how would I do this in Savage Rifts. Um, personally, a lot of times when I'm running a campaign, I will um, try out different setting rules. And so I don't know if that's exactly a house rule, but I um, a lot of times now when I'm running Savage Rifts, I don't use the uh, more skill points rule. Um hmm been trying out not using born a hero um those things can have big effects on character generation and perceived skill or power level um it's funny because with rifts characters kind of like with you know just like with plating rifts um there you know the question a lot of times you start off especially in especially in plating rifts you start off a character and you have all these amazing abilities but you're still learning the skills, right? The right. skill set you need to really use them. And so um, I, I like that kind of a feeling in my Savage Rifts campaign. So that's that's kind of the stuff that I'll, I'll play with. It's a lot of just, again, how everyone is interacting with the world is really interesting to me, whether it's through downtime or a map um, or NPC groups and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, the rest of it will, will come down to Gee, how do we, you know, just having fun and pl- pushing, pushing the pushing the envelope in different directions for character creation and seeing how that affects, um, how that affects gameplay with Savage Rifts. In fact, for um, for Halloween this past year, I ran, um, I, I used, I, I made pregens for a game that uh, was a spooky vampire adventure, right? Yeah. Uh, and the characters were did not have iconic frameworks. No. Oh. Nice. They were they were I mean they had access to Rift's edges and and there was you know one character was a dog boy another one we actually just I just used uh, generic the uh right the the adventure edition uh android with oh. a, a couple little tweaks okay. and um built the characters and I think I still gave them I think I gave them two heroes journey roles each and just tried that out and and everyone had a really great time. Awesome. They, it was funny because the the team was we're playing. They're still a Tomorrow Legion team, right? 
um, with special set of skills, and they had, and in this case, they had the equipment they needed. They they were experienced in fighting vampires, yeah. So it wasn't like they were on the wrong mission or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that would have been murderous, right? Um, yeah. But uh, I was I was kind of I, I but I was a little murderous when we started the game. I said, I like to do this with 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 one off uh, adventures is to throw in that 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 element of of uh of seriousness I, I i will say hey if your character dies especially in one-off games like i'm not gonna cry over it and i'll i'll make sure i want to make sure you have fun if you die i might give you another npc to play or something interesting to do right i don't want you to have a boring time at my table or whatever but you know i like to i like to have that threat of especially in, in one-off games that there's consequences to actions and something could happen, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, I told the I told the players that man they came out with flying colors and we had a really good time with that adventure. Um, but uh, yeah, they and at the end I was like, wow, I really didn't pull punches very much, and they still were able to complete the adventure. It was pretty neat. Nice. Yeah. Any uh, any juicer in a. Uh campaign game or in a uh, sorry a, a con game should probably burn out and uh you know basically do the, uh, meet his death sentence at the end of the game <laughs> <laughs> right and that happens a lot of con games <laughs> yeah. well it's like uh uh so talking about house rules so like in my rapid city campaign that i did uh it did throw some of my players for a loop i did use the uh the extra skill points but i limited them starting to uh a d8 for any skill and at mm, first they okay. were like they were like what i'm like well one you're you're not experts and everything and two that actually because they were playing a community outreach team so like even your combatants that then ended up having their combatants with a little bit more persuasion that they would normally have and a right. few more like knowledge-based skills that they uh, or support skills that they would nor than they would normally have and i i thought that yeah a little more well. force diversification <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so you know you're you know like the the powered armor pilot actually had a pretty good repair skill for example you know which can help you know like build rebuild reactors and those kind of things so sure yeah 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 so You've uh, announced Terror on the Dark Frontier and also on yes. uh, Rift South America. You got any updates yes. on those? Any sneak peeks you can provide us? And then um, I know you probably can't answer this one, but I'm going to ask it because I'll be tarred and feathered if I don't. When do people need to start setting aside their money? <laughs> yeah, and this is, you know, it's, it comes back around to uh, if I talk about um, any time frames or anything like that, that's when... Jody starts breaking my fingers. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say, so two things I'll say, um, and unfortunately this is audio only. Um, I would love to share the cover of Terror on the Dark Frontier, but the art is great. Um, well, you can always but, send me uh, a JPEG and I'll upload it to the website. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if I can like put a file out there, but I guess someone could take a screenshot anyway <laughs> if it was visual. But anyhow, yeah. Um, I, I, so with Terror on the Dark Frontier, um, and it is in um, right. It's 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 going into layout. Um, I I still need to do quite a bit of editing on it. Um, but um, it's it's really neat because there are nineteen, I think, right now. Um, 
core plot point campaign adventures. Wow. But then there's a lot of side adventures material that you can do from fully fleshed out um, Savage Tale level adventures Mm -hmm. to um, more short adventure prompts that will harken back a little bit to hook, line, and sinker adventures that Palladium fans might be familiar with, where you just have a, a, a simple couple of of pieces of information about this story that gets the game master brewing right and ready to go run something and run with it. And I think combined with the adventure generation um, and adversary, especially uh, generation tables in the game master's handbook, by the way, if you are a savage riffs game master, please read the game master's handbook and do not discount um the advent, the material at the end for whether it's settlement generation or generating enemies or adventures, um, even if you don't even run, say, a Tomorrow Legion focused campaign, you can kind of you can file the serial numbers off. A lot of this stuff can be used for all types of of uh, play modalities. I guess you could say, like whether you're you're running your team as a, a, a you know running they're working for a benefactor or they're running a mercenary company or they're wandering cyber knights right, that may not be directly associated with the Legion, you can still use the Legion generation, mission generation tables to put together a lot of really great Rifts adventures, mm-hmm. plus the amazing, all the other amazing tables like uh, other Dimension generation, Rift generation, Leyline generation tables. Um, but anyways, um, I think there's a lot of material that people are going to enjoy in this, in this in Terror on the Dark Frontier that's really going to turn it into um, something that can also has a lot of viability as a sandbox that the players can adventure around. Even if you don't want to do the core campaign or the player once, maybe years from now, right? You've played through the core campaign. Uh, you're doing a new campaign. And your players want to go explore the area. Well, there still might be other stuff that they could have never touched, right? If they did the core plot point campaign, um, that makes the area really interesting. The other thing that's really great about it is we are integrating um, material to support things like um, cyber slingers and some other Ooh. tropes uh, for the new West. And we're also sliding in uh, some iconic riffs, monsters like the black fairy that hadn't seen print yet. Cool. Um, so I think that's going to be something that's really great for riffs players, whether they're old or new to know that there's going to be a lot of cool new material in there as well. Besides uh, some of the stuff um, for the core plot point campaign. Um, For South America. Well, um, before we go to South America. Sure, sure. Yeah, let's talk about terror. Yeah, yeah, let's talk. uh, So you said one thing. So Cyber Slinger. And, you know, so is that going to be like its own Mars or is that going to be like a iconic edge for, say, the crazy? Can you say? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So 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 basically, um, and I'll just talk from high levels, right? Yeah. Sometimes we do shift decisions, mm-hmm. so I don't want to like promise this is going to be a Mars or this is going to be this or whatever. Yeah. Um, because just in case we find out through playtesting that maybe that wasn't the right approach. But in general, the approach that we're taking that I think people are going to be really excited about is you're familiar with the juicer and then the juicer upgrade edges in Empires of Humanity? Yes. They're so great. these are edges you can basically take well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, they're. I'm just saying they're they're great edges. So. 
Except for the Delphi. Right. So, the Delphi. so it, <laughs> well, I mean, and, and like you said, I, I think I saw a comment or a discussion about the Delphi juicer can replace the crazy yeah. if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Right. So in it, I don't think that's as big a deal if the group doesn't have a crazy, but you would want to be careful. You would want to be careful about, I think, adding a Delphi juicer when there's a crazy in the group. Right. right. Um, but um, especially that's a, a concern. But um but yeah, so for anyone who may not be familiar with it, or it's been a while since they cracked open Empires of Humanity, the juicer edges, uh, juicer treatment edges are, if you're playing a juicer, you could do this at character creation, or you can basically use it as an upgrade treatment later on, your juicer could become one of the more focused types of juicers, like say, a Titan juicer, which are bigger and, t- and tougher and stronger, but you lose a little bit of the agility and the speed boosts, right? Um, or the Mega juicer, or the Phaeton, uh, which is a master of piloting vehicles and things like that, or the Hyperion, which is a master of speed. So basically, you pay an edge um, to take that, either character creation or later, and you can't. You can only take one of them, right? right. Um, because it 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 more it more um, fully defines your character and their specialization. Well, we've taken that edge and we're kind of retroactively applying it to uh, both cyborgs and crazies. Nice. That's cool. So we're taking that approach. So Because the combat cyborg is a combat cyborg, right? right. But what if you want to play as um, a mining borg or a slave borg or... Um, Cyberslinger. You know, a cyberslinger, right, exactly. Um, or uh, what is it, um, the Plainsborg in South America, mm. right, a cyber gaucho or whatever. Nice. So so there's a, we're adding different options like that, um, or like the Wired Gunslinger, right, for the crazy, um, so, that you, that, so that you can take those tropes and, and, and more fully explore them uh, with your characters. That's awesome. So, uh, so of course, uh, people may or may not know I'm actually a Kansas native. So I got to ask some questions that you may or may not be Ooh. able to answer. But so Topeka and Burnett's Mound are they are do they play any? Is there anything rotating around that area in the in this campaign? Gee whiz, because I, I, I'm going to just display my knowledge or poor knowledge of the Kansas area. I don't know Kansas very well. Right. I know Oklahoma fairly well. I think we do have things in those areas, but they might, I can't remember. They might be renamed. We have all the stuff that's, all the real big stuff in those regions in the traditional uh, New West and Spirit West books. They do show up, and we are adding more. So, by the way, after the show, if you want, just feel free to send me an email if you have some ideas, and I'll double check what we've got in the uh, <laughs> in the current write up. I'd love to have input from a native. I always like to have input from natives. Um, so, and that's one thing that's been really cool too. Is um, I reached out and uh, online, and I've had uh, some uh, Comanche um, natives and descendants uh, contact me as well to help inform some of the things that we have uh, included in this adventure. So I'm hoping that uh, it'll be something that is not just true to Rift's lore, but, but also expands a little bit of understanding of, of some of, of what the natives, uh, native Americans in the region and from those cultures uh, value. That's cool. Awesome. Actually, you and I talked about something similar for some stuff I'm writing. Um, yeah. And then let's see, what's the other? Oh, stole Kansas, the gateway to hell. I'm sure you've heard of that. 
I, I haven't. I haven't. I've I've never heard of Stoll, Kansas. So really? Okay. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> actually, it's funny. It's actually local legend. There's a gateway that that uh, a place in Kansas has one of the seven gateways to hell, theoretically, and it. Actually, oh. It is actually rumored that in the 80s, when Pope John Paul III came to the United States, he specifically ordered his uh, crew air crew to fly around Kansas because of that. No kidding. Yeah. So I, the, the funny thing is that actually um, does remind me of something from the manuscript. Um, I'm not sure. So what? basically one of the things that happened here with this is uh, with this adventure campaign is that um, I was one of the early writers and I guess you could say one of the primary writers, but it ended up, we ended up deciding we wanted to do something a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have a few members that I've brought in. Uh, Shane and I worked together to put together a, a small development team for Savage Rifts. Um, and so there's, I still haven't read through some of the adventures yet. Nice. So I want to make sure um, that uh, that you know that <laughs> there are other people that have contributed to this. So uh, that that actually rings a bell for me. But uh, I will I will be double checking that as I go through uh, the write ups uh, pretty soon. Um, we're doing uh, pre- preliminary layout and stuff right now. So as soon as I get that and go through it, I will be taking a look. But I'm pretty sure there is something about that. I'll have to double check. Cool. I don't want to miss. You can't miss an opportunity like that. Oh yeah, there's all sorts of stuff actually. Like uh, there's the uh, survival condo complex in north of Salina. There was an old uh, Atlas F right. uh, ICBM site that's now a underground uh, underground condominium complex. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some stuff about those. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen about that specific one, but yeah, yeah. those are pretty fascinating too. Yeah, those are pretty fascinating too. Oh. Yeah, I, I dip, um, dip into a lot of that stuff for some of my my games. Yeah, I think that, and it that's I've always thought that that's one of those things that's kind of screaming to be like turn me into a dungeon, right? right. Um, because you can literally just do levels of some old Titan missile silo mm-hmm. <laughs> and go down level by level, kicking in a door and gunning things down. Yep. All right, so sorry, I dissuaded. Uh, the the listeners are probably like, "No, I want to talk about South America." So let us. Well, let and us you cheated. You didn't. You didn't have the. You didn't have that. Uh, that Kansas stuff in your list of questions for me. <laughs> yeah, I caught you off guard. <laughs> so the land of a thousand islands. What, what's what's going on down there? How's that going so far? Everyone's about to kill each other. Um... <laughs> Well, that's rifts, right? <laughs> it's rifts, right? Um, no, uh, this is one I've mentioned this before. Um, I, I'm really excited about the material we've got in the book, but one of the big things I'm excited about um, again, this is uh, as I've taken on responsibilities with Palladium, um, I need to lean on some other writers, and so um, to help accomplish a lot of these goals, and so. One of the things that I really enjoyed, though, was all of the new lore. Um, and fill in, in other books like Empires of Humanity or Atlantis and the Demon Seas, um, you know, I've, I've filled in, I've worked with Kevin to fill in some plot line, you know, like just maybe unclear areas or cracks, right? right. Um, over time, like, oh, if this one book is talking about, you know, this part of Texas, right? Like Fort Pinnacle. 
in 105 PA and then Savage Rifts is set in 109 PA and these other events happen. What happened to Fort Pinnacle, right? right. Um, but uh, in, in South America, as many of the old school Rifts fans or new school Rifts fans will know that have uh, read through the expanded material available in uh, the Palladium World books, um, they they're that those books are set in 102 103 pa time frame so there's been seven plus years of time that have passed um until the savage rifts books that are set in late 109 pa so th that's something that i went through and worked a lot with kevin um i read through a lot of the material that was already there and it was really great because there was a lot of if this happens, then this faction will do this, or this faction's about to sneak attack this other faction, or whatever, right? Right. And there's other stuff that was less obvious um, ideas to put in there. Um, and so um, I had some great suggestions from some friends and some uh, fellow game developers and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I took that all to Kevin, and he really loved uh, the updates to the timeline. So for 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 classic Rifts fans and people, just any Rifts fan that's really interested in the world lore, there's going to be a lot of world building and events that are canon that are going to be in this book. Nice. So I think, A, that's like awesome. It's a lot of fun and it's really fascinating to work on. Um, B, they're, like I said, with the Plainsborg and some other things, uh, we've got a lot of really cool ways we're approaching some of this stuff um, to, you know, don't need to rewrite what a crazy is um, to do an ultra crazy or whatever, right? But um, on the, uh, the other hand, too, is I, I wasn't able to, when I did Lance and the Demon Seas, I wasn't able to fit um, full-blooded biomancers into that book, um, which those are, you know, the, the Lemurians have biomancers but, and biomancy, but um, in South America, there's... Um, the the elves so um so so to maga island and all that there's uh there's some really great uh, stuff in here now so that you can you can uh there, there's biomancy um and then uh there's um there, there's also uh what am i trying to say uh oh the line magic is really cool too oh that's gonna um, be but there's a lot of little things like that that i think people don't really enjoy That'll be interesting to see. Actually, one of my favorite storylines from uh, the two books was the uh, the uh, Archron, uh, actual alien yes. invasion of Earth. Um, that was awesome. And then, of course, the Megaversal Legion. Uh, are they going to be a part of this uh, knockdown in South America? Yeah. Um, no. Um, a really good oh, not? friend okay, of mine no um, <laughs> had uh, some ideas, and I... Um, I added those. I wrote up a whole, using his kernel of his idea, expansion of how that could tie directly into um, the Megaversal Legion. So, um, and Kevin loved it. So we're, we, we do have some really cool stuff coming for the Megaversal Legion in the setting. And um, if, again, the, in the book set in 102, 103 PA, they, if anyone's not familiar with them, they're basically interdimensional mercenaries. But they were, um, I guess you would call them battle thralls. This re a really powerful group of aliens had captured an American armored division uh, or company. War. I think it was a company. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, and other alien races from other times and places, and brought them together into an interdimensional mercenary company. And then those mercenaries ended up throwing off the yoke of their alien oppressors. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's more lore, there's more expanded material there that's going to to tell more of the story of what's happened to the Megaversal Legion. Um, and then there's going to the, the Archon conflict is is big. Uh, the Archon are alien, like true alien invaders with spaceships and power armor and, you know, flying UFO looking eye, you know, big eyed things on them. Uh, they have, their yeah, instead of like the Coalition Skull, they've got a big eye on a lot of stuff, big eyeball. Um, but uh, yeah, there's the, the Archons are definitely, and also an, an, an important part of um of the plot line and the machinations in the setting. So I think that'll be fun for a lot of people. Nice. Yeah. The, I always thought the Megaversal Legion were, would be a natural ally for uh, the tomorrow Legion. Absolutely. Yep. That's exactly how I feel as well. As long as they play their cards right and don't gun each other down on first contact. (laughs) (laughs) True. True. Uh, A couple, couple questions. My friend Chris will kill me if I don't ask this one. So, uh, the Stonemen Duelists, are they going to be uh, going to be part of available as a player entity? Yep, absolutely. Cool, that's that's good to know. Um, what else? Uh, the, I'm assuming the uh, Kingdom of Largo and much of the uh, Splugorth tie-ins are going to be a big part of this as well? Absolutely, just like in the source material, absolutely in that timeline, right, the has advanced so that's actually a a a, a, um, a big antagonist gotcha and then the anti-monster bioborg is that just going to be a continuation of the bioborg uh iconic framework or is that going to be something itself unique to itself oh yeah we didn't even put it in the book it's just going to be on the cover no i'm kidding um oh, okay good to know <laughs> yeah i know first. the anti-monster is definitely in 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 here and um I think people are going to really like it. It's it's pretty neat. No, it's not just uh, and even in the the the, the rifts lore, it's not exactly the same as a uh, Atlantean bioborg. Um, so yeah, this is definitely a separate, unique, interesting um, a type of hero that you can play from Columbia. Nice, cool. Yeah, that just a complete weird side note. One of the funny little campaign ideas i've had in my brain for a long time since i actually got uh, south america one because there's a little note in the city of cibola that one of the gates of the uh the dimensional gates opens to a post-apocalyptic post uh alien invasion planet where a bright flower is growing everywhere and is used to power mecca <laughs> So <laughs> I always thought it would Yeah. And then of course with the the Savage Robotech stuff that's coming out from another company. Yeah. Uh, it's like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like can, every you can if hey, you, you you can still you've still got a chance to run that campaign idea. Yeah. No, I've I've heard a lot of people that have had a lot of fun with um <laughs> the Savage Robotech. Mm. I think, and I, I think they did a good job with that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I think that if that's if that's uh, something that you, because I've I've met a lot of people, right? That because they're, it's just natural, right? I got in with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Robotech into Palladium myself, 
when Rifts came out, it was like, okay. Now, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't as imaginative as other people. I mostly thought about, oh, what kind of weird mutant animals could I do with Teenage <laughs> Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yep. Um, and uh, I didn't. I never was like, I'm going to cross the streams, Robotech, Crashland, you know, the macro, or, um, you know, what is it? Uh, SDF the SDF-1 three. crash landing or, or 3 or whatever, you know, crash landing on Rift's Earth. But uh, you could totally do that. And, and that's the great thing, right? Um, yep. That's, I think, one of the things that's the synergy here is that just like the Palladium system was built with a common rule set to enable you to play any of the, any of the settings that Palladium had, um, Savage Worlds, similarly, is a rule set built to support all different types of genres. So as you collect... Um, other genre books like the science fiction companion, the fantasy companion, superpowers companion. It's easy to do something very similar to what people were doing 30 years ago with riffs and the conversion book one, right? Um, and they're still doing. And it today. that's the <laughs> yeah, they're still doing it today, right? So, so that's the thing. Yeah, um, as long as you, like I said, we we talked about it a little earlier. Um, just you know, make sure you don't cross the streams too much to make sure that everyone still has something interesting and and fun to do within your campaign and your story. Um, then that's uh, that that that's great. That's that's what it's all about is having fun. Um, but yeah, no, I think this book is going to be a really great one for people to enjoy. Uh, again, the Archons, uh, the Kingdom of Legarto, um, it's a Lizardman Empire. I mean, these are really and Cordoba. Um, and, and the conflict between Cordoba and Santiago, mm-hmm. um, I think these. But the, you have some really and Cibola, like with the gatherers, and I, I think that you've got a lot of really great villains. And how are the coalition getting involved in South America, though? I mean, in general, in the lore, they're not. Um, that has there are some updates to that coming in the lore for this that's included in this book. Um, but, uh, that's one of the nice things is if you, now, if you wanted to, you could totally say, Hey, so, you know, there was a major coalition expedition and a, a a small battle fleet showed up if you wanted to, right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) you could say that the, uh, you know, the USS Ticonderoga showed up too. Um, similarly, you could say that the USS Joseph Prosek finished construction and, showed up uh you know the the i think it was the if i remember correctly the the the, um submersible battle carrier that the coalition was working on right in underseas uh don't quote me on all the specifics it's been too long since i since i read that specific entry but um no you could have a lot that's the great thing about riffs you can have a lot of fun with stuff like that or i think there's plenty of um conflict already in the book uh and in the books that you'll be able to riff off of in fact we've got there's so much equipment that i don't even know if you would need to use half of the uh the weapons and body armor and robots from the tomorrow legion players guide wow because there's 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 such just like with the atlantis and the demon seas there was as much equipment in that book um as there is in the tomorrow legion players guide this book i think is uh shaping up to have a very large equipment section as well. I think it, it can be, uh, if you want to, you could play whole campaigns just in South America. That's awesome. Cool. Well, and that kind of leads into, because, I mean, you know, 
Savage Rifts is amazing, and I, I love the system. Um, it's awesome to be talking with you. But you've also got a second day. You know, I've got two day jobs. So you're also the creative <laughs> director for Palladium Books. So what's going on there? Yes. I mean, let's 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 talk Palladium. I mean, seriously, like you've jumped in sure. in the deep end. Like we were talking earlier about you and you know just hanging out, going for walks, talking with Kevin, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what's yeah. it like jumping into the deep end of Palladium? Yeah, I really did jump into the deep end of Palladium. It's really interesting because, well, I didn't see it coming. So, again, um, if anyone, I don't know, if, I don't think we've had a, t- a chat since I joined Palladium, but um, on, on, on air. At least. Yeah, just offline. Um, yeah, yeah, we've chat quite a bit, but um, no, um, so I was actually um, I'm the line editor for Riffs for Savage Worlds. I uh, really enjoy it. Shane and I love working together on uh, this stuff. And uh, Shane and the entire Pinnacle crew are uh, Simon, Jody, uh, Daryl now. Uh, everybody's really great to work with. Love them. Um, I, really, I, mean, I mean that very sincerely. I, I, I couldn't be happier uh, to be working with them. Um, and... Uh, I well, but but I did want to do you know stretch my wings and do some of my own stuff. Um, I didn't want to stop doing Savage Rifts. I mean, I was I even told Kevin when I met him at Gen Con in uh, twenty nineteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, "Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do this Savage Rift stuff as long as anybody will let me." Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <I will. laughs> um, but I was I was planning and I, I did actually uh, start my own company. Never produced anything because Kevin. Uh, cut me off at the past. No, I was I was planning on moving overseas. Um, some people may know I was uh, I lived abroad in Taiwan for a couple of years, um, and I speak Mandarin. I was uh, looking at moving to either um, Vietnam or Taiwan, and uh, basically bootstrapping my own my own products, my own settings hmm. for. Um, and at the time, I planned on on uh, just basically being a I guess you'd say a Savage Worlds ace. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I hadn't made, and I didn't have any hard decisions uh, on that, um, or, or yeah. But I was I, actually the funny thing is, is I would talk to Kevin a lot about that when we would chat. We became good friends um, over the, you know over the years. I, I met him in uh, over the phone and email in uh, 2018, or actually 2017. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been five years now. Wow, um, time flies. But no, we 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 we'd gotten to know each other and uh, gotten to trust each other. He's he's just a dream to work with as a licensor and um, as a licensee myself, right? And he's a licensor. But uh, you know, it's just it's great um, to work with him on the license. I never I, I never had any trouble. He was always really helpful, and um, we uh, you know very you know just really great to work with. So we 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 also start, I started doing some interviews with him. Um, and, uh, we really hit it off and I started asking his opinion on stuff and long, long story short, this past summer in 2021, um, the, the pandemic of course made was, was making it hard to move overseas. (laughs) Um, but I was lining up some things and I was like, Kevin, I think I'm going to make it. It's going to be in the next couple months. And, um, he was like, Hey, well, I don't want to like throw a monkey wrench in your plans, (laughs) but uh, would you like to join me at Palladium Books and uh, 
eventually take over running the company, carry the torch <laughs> forward. And I I was like nah. dumbfounded. Nah. Yeah, right. Dude, I couldn't sleep for like two days. And like the next day I called him. I'm like, wait, Kev, Kev, Kev. <laughs> Are you smoking crack? Do you, you really mean that? Yeah, what do you mean? Um, be your business partner, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, but I did. I, I dove in with two feet, right? I just, and I know a lot of people say yeah, Palladium didn't know me, right? Yeah. Um, they met me at Gen Con maybe once or talked to me on the phone when I was, hey, this is Sean with, you know, can I talk to Kevin or something? But um, yeah, I've jumped in and uh, just gotten rolling. And the really neat thing is, is that Kevin and I, um, it's kind of weird, but we, uh, we really, we see eye eye to eye on a lot of things Mm. um, on on most everything, um, especially the end goals. And a lot of times we're just chatting about how do we get to this goal? Right. And what strategies we'll want to take. Like mechanoids, where when are they coming back? <laughs> uh, later. <laughs> not 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 soon. Uh, <laughs> it's not on the current release window. We'll put it that way. Um, but I love the mechanoids, so uh, I've always been fascinated by the mechanoids. But we have, uh, and just doing? to put it out there, we've been fair, with 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 Palladium. One of the the challenges is is I arrived here. And we have about, there were about a dozen manuscripts that were in some, at some level of completion, mm-hmm. over a half dozen books, even with like 80% art cover painting, wow. right? I mean, we're talking 80% of a manuscript um, or even a raw edition is art, right? With Titan Robotics. So um, is already out there, right? So, right. um that that's the big thing is is that Kevin and I have been focusing on delivering promises Clear and delivering these 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 projects that are already very advanced, mm-hmm. um, like Bestiary Two. Um, that I we had me we, when I finished Rifter eighty five, I jumped in on Titan Robotics because it's closer to completion mm-hmm. um, than say Bestiary Two, but Bestiary Two. Um, already working on outlining and uh and i've already gathered a lot of materials and reviewed and so that's going to be going into full swing as soon as i finish titan robotics so um that's why i don't i i I say you know i laughingly you know joke about the mechanoids but it's not (laughs) that we don't want to do more mechanoid stuff that's really cool and super interesting to me i just got to knock down some really important uh So what's that? I said you got to finish kind of building the house that's uh, that's that's already there. So, but yeah, yeah. So, but kind of talking a little bit backwards. I mean, it sounds like you've been typing till your fingers are bleeding. Uh, Rifter eighty five. How'd that go? I mean, that was your first pro like actual project for Palladium. You know, I'm sure. I, right. sure was it there at some point where Kevin's like, mm, "Did I make a mistake?" Oh, I don't know. You'd have to ask Kevin that, but. <laughs> Um, and, and by the way, by the way, Ke- I was talking to Kevin earlier. He said to say hi to you, Sean. Oh, so awesome. just so you know, uh, yeah, he hopes you're doing well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, no, I don't think there was any point where he was like, uh Oh, um, I, now one of the things that I know you want to ask about it and you haven't technically asked yet, you know, how different is production say yeah. between pinnacle and palladium? Sure. Um, 
And so this might be a spot to, to kind of approach that. You know, Pinnacle is distributed. No, nobody except for Shane and Simon and, uh, you know, a few other people live in the same area or even city. Yeah. Um, so um, now, and that's, you know, at the same time, Shane does what needs to be done, right? So when we did the the, the uh, Suede edition of Riffs, he flew me out to Arizona, and mm-hmm. me and him and Simon, and we also went and visited Daryl and Tracy, and you know we 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 got together with people, and I met people, and we sat down in in, in the office and stuff, and worked at, worked on on this stuff together. They showed me, you know, hands on. This is how we do our layout in InDesign, right? Yeah, I'd studied it in co- when I went back to college after the Air Force, um, but it was to see how they do it, right? Is is, is something else. Um, and so, uh, in general, though, they really push Pinnacle because they're decentralized, really pushes um, a lot of technology uh, to its, I mean, leverages it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I would say, um, and there are, there are good things about that, and there are, right, because people can live wherever they want. Oh, yeah. You don't have to have somebody move, right, to, to, to join the team and yep. start working. Because most of the, most Pinnacle, as, as a lot of people understand, uh, some people don't understand this, but Pinnacle is actually the full timers or or even part timers are actually very very small. It's like from five people. or six people, maybe. <laughs> Not, may, I don't even know if it's that many, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the you've got Shane, you've got Jody, you've got Simon, right? And they've added a couple more, I think. Mm-hmm. But and, and not all those people are even full time, right? So, right. Um, but the the vast majority of people are contractors and stuff. Yeah. Um, including like the art is all done through sigil. So um, that's kind of cool. It also means that, right. Uh, Thomas shook who's, who's down in Australia, mm-hmm. right. So we can send him, Hey, can you, you know, get this in the layout? Blah, blah, blah. Well, we're not going to hear back to him from, from him until tomorrow because of the time difference. Right. Because it's um, the night. Right. And so uh, that's interesting. That's super cool. Um, and it's really fun. Um, on the other hand, you know, it's really neat coming here to palladium I'm in an office, and Alex Marcinison is just on the other side of the wall from me. Ten feet away from me, if you just want to run through walls, right, <laughs> is Kevin. Nice. Right, 15 feet away from me um, is, is Kevin. So, um, right, and I can open my door, walk over to his door, knock on it, right? I can walk down the hall to, to uh, where Wayne is. Mm-hmm. And so that's, 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 um, that's really nice. Yeah. Sometimes um, that's I mean that's just really great. Um, now at the same time they're using uh, you know um, the production cycle here is different, um, and so uh, it's uh, for instance uh, if anyone's heard a lot of interviews with say Shane and Simon I mean um, and like when I did say when I did Atlantis and the Demon Seas when I wrote Empires of Humanity I wrote it all into a Microsoft Word document. Yeah. Well when I and then, but then I was helping to do the layout <laughs> on the other side after someone had done the initial layout. I went in and, and tweaked the layout and updated it as we were updating everything for the Suede edition and uh, just making sure everything was copacetic. Um, well, when I did Atlantis and the Demon Seas, I just wrote straight into layout um, huh. in InDesign. Yeah. So I knew what would be on a two page spread, I knew exactly how the game master or the player would be 
perceiving and interacting with that information. Mm-hmm. And I studied, uh, one of the things I studied when I went back to school for design and production was interaction design, um, mm-hmm. which is just a fancy way of saying how you, in, you know, how you interact with stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, but, you know, to me, that's, I really value that, right? Yeah. Um, and so, it, but that's a lot of times at Palladium, the layout is is more traditional where you'll have like word files and stuff um again similar to because most writers for instance uh don't know indesign so just like with most savage worlds books it can initially start that way as well Mm -hmm. uh you'll have a whole bunch of word files or whatever that come in and you and then someone has to go through and put it into layout um so that's generally what happens um because kevin doesn't write straight into indesign um and so, you know, just seeing that there's a lot of, and they've been doing this for 40 years. So um, I came in and I, and, and Kevin was very excited for me to join the company. And one of the things he said is, I want you to help you to help, you know, revitalize things and, and, and improve things and, and help us take a second look at some of the processes. So that's been really great. It also takes time. Right. Um, and the other thing is, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater um, one of the things that I did when I was uh, in the military and working in my unit, um, I was asked, well, I was asked, I was, well, I, they asked politely. And then when I said, no, I just finished my mission training. I want to be doing missions. They said, well, we asked and we we're just being polite. You're now on the commander's staff. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I was able to do there was streamline processes and analyze processes. So one of the things that I learned very quickly is, is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, make sure that you're not just, you know, recreating the wheel. To fix things. Um, what's that? Fixing things to fix things. Right, because that's reductive, right? And so one of the things I always try and make sure that I do is I understand the whole process before I say, hey, let's let's do this and tweak it this way and innovate that and and, and then have that and that be a genuine discussion, right? right. Um, so that was one of the big things when I came in with the Rifter is I basically rebuilt the layout files the way I understood them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and... So if you pick up the Rifter and you compare it to other Palladium books, they're going to look... I think that if anyone picks up the Rifter, I don't think they would have picked it up and thought, oh, gee, this looks different than other Palladium books. Nope. But at the same time, if you take it, if you open it up and you pick it up and you carefully compare the spacing between lines of text some of the he- and set spacing on some headers and other things like that, you might start to notice some slight um, changes. And that's just because that's how I learned to organize it myself as part of my learning process yeah um and i don't know if anyone's gonna people probably sleep on the podcast now but (laughs) i don't know um but that was really great because i was able to i read the submissions right and so the interesting thing here is is um i picked a lot of writers that had been previous writers on previous palladium products but i didn't know at the time i didn't know who they were yeah I may, I maybe had heard of the names before, but I, I don't, I don't know those guys, right? Like Kevin, Wayne, Alex, they know, um, you know, Glenn Evans. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Glenn Evans except for this is a really great submission. Yeah. So that was kind of cool too, and it was interesting because it seemed to reinforce, oh yeah, this you know, quality writing is quality writing, right? Um, 
So, I, but I had a lot of fun. I, 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 I uh, yeah. So I curated the submissions, um, and um, and and I was able to because uh, Wayne was really busy with some other stuff, and so um, I was kind of the guest editor, right? And uh, I curated the submissions. I did all the layout. Um, I did you know first pass on, on on any changes or updates on a lot of the stuff. I you know Al did the proofreading, Julius proof, proofreading. Uh, you know I came in, I, I I inputted the corrections. So if there's any typos, it's probably my fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it was a really great experience. Um, I also worked with Brandon Verhalen um, to help kind of jumpstart and help uh, coordinate some of the art. Uh, he. His, his company is uh, Star Anvil Studios, yep. and so he helped Great us stuff. coordinate the wonderful cover art and some of the interior art that would have just been hard because at the time, the, so the first day I arrived, um, Kevin got in on this prestigious program called the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. And wow. the timing was fortuitous because he was going through a crash course on uh high-powered you know business um tutoring and mentoring and we were able to talk about that every day um, while he was going through it but it was a it was basically a full-time commitment it was 30 to 40 plus hours a week for kevin and it was insane and so i was working on the rifter while uh under you know learning the business from the palladium side of the business right Mm -hmm. and also like hearing some of this stuff um and so it's uh, it, it was really it was really great uh, really great thing to be able to do. Um, unfortunately, in mid December, uh, I got COVID, and I was out for ten weeks. I was testing. I tested positive for ten weeks, and then wow. um, I recovered. But it was a. It, I, I've, I've been dealing with long COVID symptoms, uh, which is no fun. Um, yeah. But uh, at least you weren't in the hospital. I was out. I did not, I never, right, no, and, uh, you know, thank God for that. I um, I was blessed that I was able to make a recovery and um, come back to work full-time, but I was I was out for basically three months, um, wow. and I was able to do some editing on the Rifter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so funny. I, when I was sick, I was really sick, and um, I, <laughs> towards the end, I realized, you know what, I, I, what did I do? <laughs> I had to go fix <laughs> stuff that i'd done right well you didn't <laughs> but fix putting great. my article in there so Even, apparently what's that <laughs> you didn't fix putting my article in there so apparently it was okay <laughs> yeah oh man how'd that one get in there yeah, exactly. um right who's this sean masters guy but yeah no i um i i, I but 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 fortunately i was still able to finish uh editing on the rifter and we got it to the printer and it's so funny because printing is so bizarre right now mm. um the rifter actually preceded coalition manhunters to uh the printer but uh they kind of ended up both coming in and, and being ready to ship around the same time um after the palladium open house but uh but yeah that was it was a, but it was a really great way to kind of meet some of the fans and contributors that way um and also to dig into the guts of 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 of, of the submissions and you know take an eye and look at them how does this compare to other palladium materials and formatting um so in in it was a really really great experience especially as someone who has some experience 
in the industry, but coming in and trying to learn, you know, the Palladium way and, and figure out the best way to approach these projects. Uh, it was a really, really great, uh, Kevin made a great decision to, uh, to ask me to do that. So, um, and I'm really proud of it. It's, 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 uh, it was uh, one of the number uh, top 10 sellers on, um, on drive through RPG. Um, and uh, it's still, uh, it's still, it's been that. doing great for, for weeks now. So awesome. we're really happy about that. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I think that that speaks to 20 years of work that, um, that, you know, has already been done by uh, people like Wayne and the fans. Um, there's a lot of great material already out there. So people were really excited for the return of the Rifter. For those who may, of those fans who are sad, more Savage Rifts uh, fans that haven't encountered as much Palladium stuff, um, the Rifter is a, was a quarterly publication four times a year uh, that, would, that had material for all the different Palladium books game lines from... Uh, fantasy to zombies to post-apocalyptic rifts to superheroes all types of stuff mm-hmm. um and uh this uh, superheroes you know uh and and so we brought we decided to bring back the rifter as an as a yearly it it had dropped off uh prior to the pandemic um just because the you know that quarterly publication uh speed and pace uh was eating into working on other titles uh that needed to yeah. come to release and so we're really glad to be able to bring it back as an annual. It's uh, instead of 96 pages like the old, uh, most of the previous Rifters were, this annual uh, Rifter 85, first annual, is uh, 224 pages. And so in the future, we will be looking at you know uh, larger, larger page sizes to make sure we can fit all the great content. Well, and I, uh, I am uh, blessed and appreciate that uh, my article got put in um, f- but not not focusing on on any of my stuff. Um, for our Savage Rifts fans, though, what in there do you think would be usable for them? I think there's a lot that's usable here um, for Savage Rifts fans. And for Savage Rifts fans, just so you know, one of the funny fun things that I did, we have the Savage and Your Favorite Rifts Ideas PDF. Yeah. It's um, but for Palladium fans, maybe, who are also... Savage Rifts fans, but they prefer to game using the Palladium system. I actually have a short two-page article on Palladium gaming using Savage Rifts that I wrote yeah, um, for this issue. So, what's that? It's a good article. I, I read it. So, so. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make sure I covered some of the basics of things that fans may not Palladium fans may not uh, even think to ask. Like, uh, what's a raise? Uh, what are what you know? How do I bounce? What's this wild card? Does what that does that mean when I'm running? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. In general, it's really easy to use the Savage Rifts adventures um, with Palladium rules. Um, that's really not a not a problem in general. But there are a few things you might run into, so that will hopefully help out. Um, but there's a lot of great uh, material in here that I think could easily be used with um, with Savage Worlds. Um, and so let me see. I'll go through a few of the things that I think there's a there's a really great adventure for Rifts uh, called Soul and Flames, and the the characters are very easy to uh, take a, just take a look at, see the description, and you can easily come up with probably either grab an NPC out of Savage Worlds or um, convert over an NPC. I don't think it would be difficult at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, especially using the um, Savage Foes of North America. Um, so that's a great adventure uh, the, uh, with the some great adventure amazing. material. 
that I think um, Griff's fans could enjoy. We do have a lot of great stuff for fantasy. The Lost Colony of Gnarn is fun. So if you've just picked up the Fantasy Companion and um, you know, or Savage Pathfinder, and you want something that you can use that your players won't know about, <laughs> uh, this yeah. could be great. There's a lot of great short stories. Um, and your article, um, of course. Um, so the state of Rapid City. So some great riffs, um, optional material um, that really fleshes out the Black Hills. Um, that's where Wilkes Laser Industries, um, so like the Wilkes Laser Pistol and, and all that kind of stuff, um, is from that region. So you have that. Um, if you want to do a little megaversal type of stuff, then Rooney Civil War um, is a riffs cool and phase idea. world series of adventures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by Scott Gibbons, which is really great. Um, we have uh, the um, Beyond Midnight is an adventure for the entire Megaverse written by Dan Frederick. Um, and he uh, wrote uh, some, uh, basically a monster um, that can be used with adventure prompts on how to use that and the, the origin story in, um, let me see, I think there's like nine other settings, all basically all the major Palladium settings. So, you can. There's a lot of different ways to use that material. Um, the big one, though, that I think a lot of people would. Oh, and let's see. Uh, before I forget, there is a vehicle encounter table um, by Lloyd Blair that I think could be really cool if you want some optional table for looting vehicles in rifts or another post-apocalyptic or right. Uh, apocalyptic you know society collapsing type of role-playing game cool um just because it's really easy percentile charts this is the stuff you find inside the car right and gee it most of the time it doesn't even list like say weapon damage or ranges or whatever um but even if it does all you do is just go pull open savage worlds instead of uh you know the the relevant palladium book um there's some great adventure material like francois de rocher wrote um a great post-apocalyptic story um from the street of old bones called scout's honor um and dan frederick wrote another one as well in here he has some short adventure or short story material as well but i think the standout for most people is going to be there's a series of three articles two by will Irwin and one um by johnny racha about uh the glitter boy brotherhood and that includes glitter boy pilot variants and but the best part is a lot of lore about different Glitter Boy pilot organizations that you can bring directly into your Savage Rifts game. Yeah, that, about that was awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. The other thing that's really great is uh, Johnny Rocha's In Shining Armor, the culture of Glitter Boy pilots, introduces um, material about the Glitter Boy has a quant- Glitter Boys have a quantum computer in them that d- it has uh, they they basically do an information handshake when different glitter boy pilots meet. And what that means is there's kind of like a meta um, friend and foe list that's shared amongst glitter boy pilots. Um, And it also has some, a a cool kind of like a glitter boy spooky story um, called old Chrome bones, which is really great. I just got to read it. Um, I read Kevin and he was just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, uh, the other article that's really great is upgrading a legend and it's repairing and modifying the USA G10. So while um, I think some of that stuff you could, you could use pretty easily with 
Savage Rifts, um, but also it has ver- Glitter Boy variants, like famous Glitter Boys that have been modified mm. over the years. <laughs> so um, might require a, a, you know, a little more dabbling into the Savaging Your Favorite Rifts ideas PDF yeah. or taking a look at, say... But, you know, Savage Worlds is really plug-and-play mm-hmm. because it's one of them... Um, oh, well, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the It's this Glitter Boy that will... It can absorb other glitter boys um, and its enemies. It's hmm. it's called the cannibal. It's really cool. Oh yeah! But you could easily do that with some of the race building rules, or you know, giving it regeneration if X Y Z happens. And mm-hmm. y- 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 the USA G ten, you've also got the the Triax uh, glitter boy. Uh, and so in in Empires of Humanity, between the two of those, you can figure out if oh this one has a little more mega damage. Or is described as being more heavily armored than another glitter boy. Okay, up the toughness a couple of points. It's really, you know what I mean. It's not, yeah. it's not rocket surgery all the time. Um, just have fun with it. And I think there's a lot of material in here that uh, that riffs um, fans could use in their own games. And I think that just fans like similar to Savage Worlds, Palladium Games, uh, they 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 span the gamut of a lot of different uh, genres. And yeah. so I think there's a lot of material that you can bring to a lot of different games. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, like beyond supernatural and stuff like that are some pretty good, uh, pretty good games that run in line with like, uh, ETU and other things like that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And very similar, very similar. Yep. So, uh, following that, of course, about the same time, you already mentioned it. So coalition Manhunters. So that was apparently Kevin's big project with him going through 40 hours a week and writing that that's, that's crazy. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, there's a, and uh, running, Palladium. <laughs> yeah, and running the company. So man, the, you got two jobs, he's got three, four, five. Um, so the coalition Manhunters preview has been released on drive through RPG, um, yes. but can you give us some highlights? Like what, what, what is that? I mean, it sounds just the name of it sounds pretty compelling. It does, you know, and it's, it's interesting because in a lot of ways I would say, and it's, it's, it's coalition Manhunters and then a secrets of the coalition state source book. And I think that that, 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 that second line um, really helps understand what it is because I think a lot of people read about the coalition and they say, well, and, and I tried to outline a lot of this in Empires of Humanity, but this really dives into the secret police and the thought police and a lot of different things like that connected to coalition society, a lot of secrets there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's really great, um, even if you're not using the Palladium rules, right, is you could easily still use this information to run um, a campaign and have either coalition manhunters as an enemy or an ally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, the, the manhunter teams, so these are psychics that are, that work directly for the emperor. They are answerable to no one else. And this is different from side battalion. Yes. Side battalion is an organized military battalion, right? Mm-hmm. They report to generals who then report, you know, they re- they have a, 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 a command chain and infrastructure that works all the way up to the to the emperor but these this is like uh uh, what what is it uh uh your mission should you choose to accept it right this is mission impossible type 
you're answering directly to the emperor and no one else. And um, the other thing that's neat about them is that each one of the Manhunters has their own specialization. So, And they all have an animal totem that they identify with. So the, the owl is a psychic precognitive and clairvoyant. Um, and then you get into like the path, the panther, which is a mind melter, um, and the ram, which is the burster. So there's, and then the team leader, the eagle, is not a psychic. Hmm. It's a special forces, uh, basically intelligence commander. So it's it's, and and they also have. Um, dog boys and kill hounds that work on as part of they aren't manhunters but they could be assigned to a manhunters team hmm. so it's pretty fascinating stuff and i just gotta i mean to be honest when i saw it and i was reading it i was at first i was like oh manhunters cool a psychic assassin's cool and i started reading how they all gel as a team because a team just has one of each it's not like they double or triple up on certain ones so they're designed to function together as a functional team going on special missions. And a lot of times when the Manhunters eliminate a problem, no one knows that that person was assassinated, right? Mm. It just looks like they had a car accident or it just looks like that piano fell on them mm. kind of thing. Um, or they tripped and fell into the, you know, uh, wood chipper or whatever it is. Okay. Um, but but yeah, that, and that's kind of the cool thing is a lot of the psychic powers that are in here, um, I think could really give game masters some cool ideas because they aren't as obvious and as direct as a lot of other psychic abilities. Hmm. Um, and I think that there are a lot of them now. Most of them, especially if you are uh, you know using some uh, some of the mega power modifiers, right? You might think of new ways to use certain mega powers. Um, but this, I think these these can really help to flesh out um, a really great group of of enemies, uh, you know, uh, protagonists or antagonists, um, or allies or whatever um, in a in a game. And it also helps you understand, gee, how how is it that demons and sorcerers and wizards and all these other crazy things haven't killed the emperor and his family? <laughs> how is it that they haven't taken over the coalition? Yeah. Well. The Manhunters is your answer, right? Nice. Um, when you get done reading this book, you'll be very clear. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely um, got to get The other thing is, it, is it, it, it builds a lot of great lore up, too. Mm. So um, one of my favorite things is a flashback at, on the last page of the book uh -huh. of Emperor Prosek talking to Manhunter Owl 27, Major Laura Schwartz, and they're talking about a precognitive vision she had and its imports for the entire Rift setting. So, um, and this, cool. the book also reviews the, uh, the seven, the prophesied seven dangers to Rift's earth. I really want so to see it's that a, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big book that has a lot of imports to the setting, uh, that really expands a lot of stuff. So, so a potential adventure is the, is a special exploration team uh, stumbling across some uh, animal totem drawings somewhere within Castle Refuge, and it leads them to hunting down an undercover uh, manhunter team in the castle.
Well, that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you could you could you could run into it all all sorts of ways. Or hey, if you're if your players are are are, are regularly annihilating coalition troops or something, mm-hmm. put together a Manhunters team, give them a good story and a good plot line, and they could be the the super juiced up or super psychic mastery uh, team that that could really give your players some trouble. Cool. Yeah, and that's actually a, a, a suggestion a lot of people say of it's nice now because you can actually add Sion. You can't add magic, so to speak, so to speak, unless it's Vanguard to the coalition. But psionics all right. day, man. So. Right, psionics all the way. And uh, I, I, this is again, if there are some Savage Rifts fans who maybe haven't read um, Kevin Sambita's writing. But there's a reason that he's a legend in the role-playing game industry um, for creating so many worlds and settings. Uh, and also, he just writes really compelling, uh, great, great-to-read world-building material. You will be going through this, and you'll be having, as a game master, you'll just have idea after idea after idea as you read through his material. And Manhunters is no exception. Nice. Well, I look f- uh, that one. I'll probably add a PDF once it comes out. So, unfortunately, my uh, shelf space is getting a little short. But, but well, we will be doing the PDF very soon. So, nice. just uh, keep an eye. I think on the um, if you want to subscribe to the Palladium Books uh, newsletter, yep. you can go to palladiumbooks.com, Just so anybody listening knows, and we have a link uh, right above the the cool animation of the Glitter Boy, and then uh, you can sign up for the and, and for the the mailing list. And then we'll give you an email every week when we have uh, new products and uh, different sales and stuff coming up. But we will have Coalition Manhunters will be hitting um, PDF very soon. All right. Now, I know your time is kind of precious, but you probably are, your fingers are aching to finish working on Titan Robotics. It's <laughs> probably on the other screen as we talk. So, so give me the screen. I mean, <laughs> it is. <laughs> that, that is, that is one that is definitely going to have, that will end up on my shelf, but, uh, I, I, like I remember the three Titan robot uh, drawing in the original Palladium book. Yes, they just extremely yes. compelling. I was sad that they would remove them out of the Ultimate Edition, uh, like all but one of them. So, so hit right. us with it. Well, I mean, for anyone who's not familiar, um, most players I think are familiar with Archie and Archie Three, and 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 uh, but Titan Robotics is Who? who's Archie? Who? What? what? Um, but Titan Titan Robotics is a um, a mysterious robotics uh, uh, company that produces manufactures uh, some pretty common giant robot vehicles and power armor. Um, initially, they were just distributed through the black market from a hidden manufacturing facility as happens actually fairly often in, in rifts. A lot of times advanced manufacturing facilities will hide their location and their information because if they don't, the coalition might come in and decide they want to make that one of their new production facilities, Ironheart just like they did anyone? with Lone Star <laughs> or Ironheart Industries. Right? Exactly. Um, which comes full circle now Avenger Armaments. Ironheart Industries has now survived as Avenger Armaments in Atlantis and the Demon Seas. Um, so, right, you have to be careful about that, or else you're you you find yourself on the receiving end of some guys in black skull faced armor. So, the Titan Robotics is all about uh, this 
this new up and coming robotics production house based out of um, the Manistique Imperium, which is in the Michigan Upper Peninsula, just uh, east of Northern Gun. And so a lot of players are familiar with uh, the Northern Gun robot vehicles like the NG V7 Hunter Mobile Gun. Well, now you've got the Titan Combat Robot, the Titan Reconnaissance Robot, the Titan Exploration Robot, uh, the Flying Titan Power Armor, Mm -hmm. um, and an expanded series now of of robots and power armor coming um, in this book. Um, In it, we also explore the... A lot of the secrets and the trade secrets and the interesting backstory um, of Titan Robotics, which um, I think is really great. Um, uh, we've got um, so uh, Matt um, did the first um, Matt Clements did the first uh, manuscript of this. There's already a raw preview edition out there. Um, what I've been doing is sort of reorganizing uh, the order of how the, a lot of the information is presented so that we can firewall off a lot of the really top secret stuff into one section of the book that, uh, right, that doesn't have all the, the player-facing goodies like giant robots and power armor and, and guns and other stuff. Um, and uh, I've also been expanding on some playable options. So some like basically a paradigms for running campaigns working for and with Titan robotics as nice. couriers. That's cool. Yeah. That's uh, the idea. <laughs> that's, that's actually why uh, when I wrote uh, the state of rapid city um, for Wilkes's self-defense force, right. they only, cause I mean, Northern guns, one of their competitors, then uh, the right. Northern gun, items are banned in the city so they uh just bought titan robotics uh robots and weapon systems so makes perfect sense exactly exactly so yeah and this for game masters this is going to have and and, you know this has a ton of great stuff about titan robotics uh it's 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 uh ceo argent goodson and other uh, important characters associated with Titan Robotics and its sister. There are also sister companies that are loosely affiliated with it, or uh, like Lanovich Industries, which uh, <laughs> you know may or may not be connected to Titan Robotics. Uh, uh, one of their um, what would you say, like advisors, uh, advisory board members, <laughs> um, and uh, a lot of other great stuff in there. Um, of course, tons of giant robots. Um, and expanding on some of the different options that are available uh, with some of the different weapon systems and packages. Um, but again, like I said, uh, the, the, the the cool thing too is the player-facing options that I think that, uh, similar to Manhunters, the Coalition Manhunters, for Palladium Rifts or Savage Rifts fans, is maybe you don't want to run that as your campaign, but it can also be a really cool cool allies and or enemies or frenemies, right? Um, that that the uh, players could either, you know, go into that adventure parano- adventuring paradigm or meet people, right, associated with these things, doing these things. And, and there, there are interesting uh, racial choices. Uh, you, there is... An, okay, so do you want a big spoiler or not big spoiler? Big spoilers. We're all about big spoilers. 
Okay. Um, so one of the options um, is there is uh, you can play as a synthroid, which is a synthetic android created by Archie, a new generation of synthetic androids wow. uh, that have neural intelligences, and they're designed to be as human as possible. Uh, right, right. They're not. They're, they're yeah. They're not like clones right but they're very very convincing android constructs wow um and so and there's actually a whole how do i put this uh there's a whole uh support network that archie has designed that's out there that is invisible for those who don't know how what they're looking for mm. um so and it's, it's, uh, you know for for the for the synthroids to be able to turn in information, get emergency repairs, uh, things like that. So it's like um, an basically of think the... of it like a series of safe houses. Ah. and they're kind but of like, disguised like... as a um, as an arms dealer pawn shop. Oh, that's really cool. And they so they're probably a little expansion so. of the Shimmerian kind of technology. Um, not funny, funny enough. No, um, <laughs> they're actually expansions of the technology that Archie developed when he created Argent Goodson. Ah, okay. so cool. So, so it's, uh, yeah, but I mean, similar to the Shimmerians, right? But, um, when Archie developed Argent, um, so one of the things that, um, a lot of fans may enjoy is that. Of course, when Archie was originally making a lot of his robot infiltrators and constructs, they looked very synthetic and constructed. Mm -hmm. um, like he didn't want to reproduce the human form, um, even though he has the Cyberworks databases full of cloning and bionics and cybernetics technology. Right. Um, but uh, that's one of his quirks. But then after dealing with the mechanoid invasion, you know, this uh, invasion by a race of advanced alien cyborgs, um, insane advanced <laughs> alien cyborgs, uh, he, defeating that foe, he, he and Hagon together, he got a little more confident. And uh, now he's not, he, he's not out, uh, up, up to the level of, he doesn't Archie doesn't trust well. <laughs> no. We'll say he has trust issues. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, he he has gone to that next step. And and you can see the if you have the raw preview edition of Titan Robotics, you can see the seeds of this in what Matthew wrote. Um, but I've updated it uh, to be just a little more in Archie's paradigm as uh, completely synthetic. Uh, neural intelligences that you can play as, right? Um, and so you can hide upgrades as cybernetic or bionic upgrades um, from certain vendors that are hidden throughout North America. Um, and so that could be a part of, that could be brought into any um, campaign, right? Um, and you basically, you could easily run them in Savage Worlds uh, using the Android template straight out of Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, or you could use um, the use the, the the basic idea uh, to build um, an intelligent construct using the rules in Empires of Humanity, um, but uh, for for the playing players, right? We're, um, I'm I'm finishing up uh, working through the rules on those um, so that you can play as one of those um, either as an, an a plant inside another 
organization or out in the field or you know working with any any sort of campaign or group or uh you could you could be a member of uh one of titan robotics uh combat courier teams uh, where you're running crazy field missions for titan robotics that's cool. with uh a lot of like online right whether it's a lot of credits or it's uh you know you're retrieving advanced alien technology uh for titan robotics to reverse engineer or whatever cool that sounds pretty awesome i look forward to like everybody else i'm looking forward to seeing it um on a complete side note for the on the savage rift side of the world if you ever get to the point where you need to feel you need to do fill out some older uh campaign ideas for full-on plot points i think the mechanoid invasion uh source book that campaign that could use a full like plot point workup i think (laughs) it definitely could one of the tricks with that is that the mechanoids um, for licensing purposes, the mechanoids are a completely different licensing yeah. uh, contract, right? Um, so just, again, to review for um, a lot of the Savage Rifts fans um, and just Rifts fans in general, um, Pinnacle has licensed Rifts Earth um, from Palladium. And, and now, a lot of this was early on, they were... You know, who knew how this would do would go would would, would go right? right? But it's it's been a really great partnership. Kevin obviously really trusts me. <laughs> Guys, that goes without saying now. But I mean, when when he started, we we had some discussions a couple of years ago about well, what if we wanted to do a rifts, you know, savage rifts phase world or a savage rifts wormwood mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, Kevin said he was open to the idea because he was so happy with. Um, how the partnership had panned out, right? Uh, working with me and Shane, um, but uh, and 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 our dedication to getting it right and getting the lore right and those kind of things. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, because of that, uh, for Savage Rifts, I'm a very focused right now on trying to finish Rifts Earth, and um, we are trying out this, the, you know, the Terror on the Dark Frontier. Um, is a big adventure campaign. But at the same time, like I said before, it expands a lot of New West and Spirit West material that, that, that you know, it's just another opportunity to take a little deep dive in there and catch up on some monsters and stuff. But yeah, I, man, I love the mechanoids. I'd love, whether it was working on something for Savage Worlds or Palladium, I'd love to work on the mechanoids in the future. Well, and speaking of, so speaking of the future, because, uh, we are we are getting to the uh, the late night, and some of us still have to work again tomorrow. So, <laughs> um, so looking into the future, for example, you've got um, you know the uh, Terror on the Dark Frontier. You've got Rift South America. You've got yep. Titan Robotics, and you've got mm-hmm. what's the next thing for Savage Rifts? After those. Oh, after those. Um, that's a good question. And just on the Palladium side, we also have... Um, so I'm working on finishing up Titan Robotics, and Kevin is working on um, Beyond the Supernatural Creature feature, which is a big smorgasbord, um, including some, <laughs> yeah, uh, some rules clarifications and kind of like even more than clarifications, instructions for a game master to help them understand how to 
run certain things in in, in Beyond the Supernatural, which if people aren't familiar with it, it's a great game. It's If you're a Savage Worlds fan and you're familiar with East Texas University, ETU, um, it's similar in that where you've got mundane you know, muggles, normal people that are running into the supernatural and, and, and having to deal with that. So sort of Call of Cthulhu, sort of, I, I think it's very X-Files. Yes. Um, uh, but you could run, Beyond the Supernatural, you could run it like uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Supernatural, right? Where they're you know, on a, um, a road trip across America uh, <laughs> fighting, monsters. fighting monsters. But uh, no, Beyond the Supernatural is really fun. And so I think Creature Feature is going to have a lot of really neat monsters uh, for people to use, um, I, don't, I don't think I know Kevin. I've been talking about it every day, but um, no, it's a, a really cool book. That's another. That's those are the two big things coming up for Palladium. For for um, now for Savage Rifts, um, I guess so. So I can't really talk beyond Terror on the Dark Frontier in South America. Oh yeah. Um, but I, well, I, I can. I can. There's one thing I can talk about. But those two things, we're really excited and we're really interested to see how they do because. And Kevin is too, actually, because Terror on the Dark Frontier is going to be the first boxed camp, uh, adventure campaign for any Rifts product ever. And that's cool. Um, what's that? I said, and that is cool. Yeah, I'm super stoked, right? And again, we're really happy. I'm really happy with um, a lot of the writing. We've, we've, we've so much so that we, ex- you know, Shane and I had made the decision to expand it into something much larger than just a short a short plot point campaign or savage tale. Um, and so uh, there's even new material that I haven't quite read yet. Um, but uh, I'm really excited for people to experience that. But after that, um, or, or I guess sort of on the horizon, similarly is um, Shane and I have already talked about it. Kevin, and I have talked about it. Uh, when Titan robotics launches, we're going to be offering a, um, a PDF for savage riffs fans really and yes and so that's going to contain the savage world's rules for the new character options and the major character options and the and all the major robots i wondered when that would start (laughs) what's that i wondered when those kind of crossovers would begin yeah, it's one of those things that I think is sort of a natural crossover, um, and especially since I'm already working on it. <laughs> um, but uh, stay tuned, Savage Rifts fans, tell your friends about it. Um, but when when that uh, when we launch that campaign uh, for crowdfunding, that um, that's going to be very soon. Um, again, soon trademark air quotes. But um, that I mean, that's literally what I'm working on right now. Um, All right. So as soon as I can make it happen. But yeah, I think that's going to be something that's going to be really exciting. I had actually the the funny thing is you're asking about the Palladium open house and how the, you know, the crossing of the streams with Savage Worlds fans and Palladium fans um and you know, they're all Rifts fans, right? Right. Um but uh no, actually some of the people in attendance um enjoy playing Savage Rifts uh, using the Savage Worlds rules and they were asking uh, I was uh I didn't realize there was uh, so much interest. They were they're old school fans. They that you know um, some of them are newer, but uh, mm-hmm. they really enjoy um, the Palladium source books. They oh, love yeah. to read the Palladium source books, and they're just chomping at the bit for Titan Robotics and all these cool. We've got Toys. amazing art by Stephen Cummings. We've got stuff by Chuck Walton. We've got a lot of great stuff in the book. 
that um, I think people are going to really be drooling over. And uh, a great cover by Mike Majestic. Um, so along with that, a lot of cool rules and a lot of cool lore. And so, yeah, this is going to be something we're trying that out with. Uh, and we're excited. I think it's a great way to support both lines. That's awesome. And uh, make sure everybody has a, you know, just enjoys riffs as much as possible. So the next thing you need to do is give all those Chuck Walton drawings to Blyze so he can make 3D models for you of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I need to reach out to Blyze sometime soon and chat about 3D modeling. But yeah, yeah um, no, it's, 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 it's really cool stuff. Um, and again, um, for Savage Risk fans, um, the other thing that I will talk about um, is uh, we are going to have the the pawn set one i mean it's 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 a really really great pawn set and um i finished an exhaustive uh massive art order for pawn set two nice. um and working with the team uh to put that together and then reviewing it and um making sure it was ready for uh for the sigil team and so we're super excited about that as well uh, the next pawn set will be filling in a lot of the material from Savage Foes of North America that didn't have art yet um, or art that we could use with pawns. And then it's also um, going to be covering um, a lot of the, the new style, air quotes, 105 PA, new style coalition body armors as seen in Empires of Humanity. Um including the stuff like the Coalition Juicer, Coalition Ranger, uh, you know, Coalition Commando, cool. um, and Infantry, and, and the new style Skelebots, um, and the different power armor and robot vehicles and stuff, um, as well as um, it has uh, more uh, Zytikic and uh, Vampires and um, a lot of other things that are being fleshed out. And, and, and like Thorn had Demon and stuff like that that we're trying to, again, trying to depict and catch up with the arts on a lot of stuff that was already released in Savage Foes in North America. Likewise, the um, Terror on the Dark Frontier uh, box set is also going to f uh, include a, a, a few, a few um, sheets of pawns so that you will have the pawns that are, are going to be great for using in uh, Terror on the Dark Frontier, but also... The, some of the new monsters and stuff, right? The classic Palladium Rifts monsters that we're bringing into the Savage Worlds rule set uh, will also be getting um, pawns as well. Um, and looks like we're, we're still talking about a lot of the details that are coming with that, but I think we're going to have things like wanted posters, wow, maybe a badge, some some, some cool stuff in the box, That's right? Cool. So it's not you know some cool maps, some cool you know stuff that the game master can hand out. Um, we're, we're, we're still exploring some of those options um, and nice. production and stuff is a little logistics is, is a little challenging right now, but we're, we're doing our best to make sure that everybody has a great experience with it. Well, so I guess with that, even though you can't say like you say soon, so are <laughs> like, so for me, am I going to have to look to put like, one credit card purchase down at a single time for all of these things, or is it going to be multiple credit card purchases over like a six month period? I mean, it, like my, my gaming, my gaming budget is only so finite. So 
Well, I would say if you have a finite gaming budget, maybe sock a little money away every month (laughs) (laughs) to get ready for when the next thing comes along. But yeah, I mean, my, uh, you know, um, I can't talk about, uh, and, and Kevin and I are moving to this sort of policy as well. Mm -hmm. Um, as we don't want to, you know, you tell people about stuff when you're excited, but it can be frustrating when a project gets canceled or something yeah. like that. Um, so we, you know, fan like, trolls are terrible. Well, what's that? Fan trolls are terrible. Well, and it's just it's disappointing. It can yeah. be disappointing, um, and I understand it. And sometimes the other thing is, is uh, Kevin's a really great guy, and you know he will. I think that he he definitely tries to take the high road, and and I think it's only appropriate that you know it wouldn't be appropriate to talk about why a project was canceled, whether it was because of something personal in, in an author's life, or whether it was because of the quality of of, of a manuscript. Right? I mean, that's just in, internal, we don't want internal thing policies within the company. Right. There's all types of different things, and and those are like just a couple of the basics. I mean, there's all types. I mean, trust me, there's all types of weird reasons. That a project um, may not come to fruition, um, and so, anyways, because of that, um, we really don't want to go too far. I mean, right now we are fairly open about the different or Palladium stuff that has already been announced. Mm-hmm. But once we catch up with this with this sort of log jam of production, um, we're going to be again much more careful about not announcing things until it's the next thing that's coming, right? Yeah. Um, and Kevin and I are both very sure about that. And so, uh, unfortunately, that also the other thing is that um, the the uh, with logistics and production uh, can really change schedules, and so we have to be very um, agile on our feet, and we might need to shift priorities and again we don't want that to frustrate people if we already said one thing um, and then say another Um, so because of that unfortunately i can't really give you like concrete details on when to get ready for purchases and stuff like that but we are trying to bring stuff to y'all as soon as we can Um, but i would say if you're a savage rifts player um, and you have budget now pick up some of the um, Palladium books. Uh, we we just had a sale on a bunch of the material associated with Atlantis and the Demon Seas. Mm-hmm. Palladium does sales every month or two, so the summer is a big time to do them. So definitely go to PalladiumBooks.com, sign up on the newsletter so that you can see the stuff that's going on, and you know you can get to know Kevin a little bit. He he writes uh, the weekly updates. And uh, sometimes I, I write a little blurb in there, too, where he talks about what we're working on. So you can learn a lot about, get a lot of the scuttlebutt in that weekly update. Um, and you can see whenever we have sales, pick up, you know, so, like I said, like Coalition Manhunters, Rifter 85, have amazingly great material. Um, and I, I mean, I'm a big Glitter Boy fanboy. <laughs> so um, I, that was really exciting stuff. But again, great adventure material, a lot of stuff to use in your campaigns if you're looking for something new. Um, we've got a library for you here. And then, um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to new releases, there is, we are going to do that crossover for Titan robotics. So that will be some new stuff. We have rules updates that are in the works, um, as you know, to catch up with some of the, the recent updates in the suede rules. Um, and also to integrate some of the cool, we're definitely integrating a lot of cool ideas from other Savage world settings, and products as we see fit, uh, depending on the best place to put it in in in, in the Savage Risk product lineup. Um, but uh, yeah, stay 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 tuned. And if you don't have it yet, 
I'm telling you, these pawns, a lot of people got two pawn sets for the, the Rift's pawn set one mm -hmm. because it has five Zytikik, five Skelebots, five, well, it's got more, but like six or seven Coalition Infantry Squad, right? Um, uh, it's got uh, a couple of Samus, uh, Sky Cycle, and Enforcer, but if you want um, a lot of, well, a lot of them are groups of three to five. If you want to be able to put a 10-man squad out there, um, this is a really great set to get nice. two of. Uh, I know a lot of people have gotten two, and it is beautiful. The maps are beautiful. Um, the ins the outside and inside the interior of a Magic Stone Pyramid is freaking cool. I'm and so uh, we have a lot of stuff that it's just arriving, and it's you can get it right now on the Pinnacle Web Store. Um, and... Um, and and get those those should be shipping imminently. Cool, and I guess so. One uh, one last thing to throw out there: what's the process for submitting for Rifter eighty six? Uh, same process. So uh, the process is same process. Um, submitting. I forget which. Let me look. What was the email? Do you, you do you know the email off the top of your head? Uh, um, could pull it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm opening up my rifter 85 if you got the rifter 85 it's right in here and also you can find the email at uh you could just send it to info at palladiumbooks.com kevin also has it like in almost all of the email updates but while you look for that um i'll just say that uh the main thing i would suggest is if you so we get a lot of material for riffs and if you submitted material for Rifts, say for Rifter 85, please take the time to read back over it, maybe ask someone to proofread it, do your spell check again, um, and then submit it again. Because, yeah, I'd, we, we like to work with submissions that were submitted specifically for the Rifter 86. So if uh, you do have a submission... Uh, that you put in for Rifter 85, please take the time to uh, polish it up a little bit uh, more and send it in. Um, but the other thing I'll say is that if you have ideas and material for other Palladium settings, uh, we really need those too because we don't want the Rifter to just be one note all about riffs, right? Mm. And I was really happy with this Rifter, especially with the expanded page count. We're able to make sure that we have a little bit of something for everybody. And so please help us do that, right? If you have some cool ideas for superpowers or, um, you know, one of them had a new Nightbane class um, th that was really cool. And there's, there's all types of stuff you can do. But, but yeah, please do submit that. And, uh, yeah, um, let me see. I got it here. It is rifter at palladiumbooks.com. There we go, rifter at palladiumbooks.com. It's, it's, it's not rocket surgery, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so um, please do submit those. Um, also, one of the things that I am working on, um, and I'm not going to be able to finish it until I finish Titan Robotics, but um, coming out in the next month or so is going to be the initial version of uh, the Palladium Writer's Guide, which com is a combined style and sort of theme uh, guide that we're going to be continually updating for writers out there to give you uh, clear, you know, clear style rules for your writing. Um, 
but also help you to know how to organize your content, uh, give you suggestions on how to uh, polish up your content or make sure that it, ha it it's compelling, right? So look for that dropping in the next month or month and a half. Um, and uh, definitely apply any of the material in there and the, the to your submission. Um, you know, a submission doesn't need to, we don't, we don't need like 9,620 page submissions, right? We, it, it's great if we can get, you know, four to, you know, eight page articles. Um, that not everything has to be, um, I, I don't know, something complicated like the, you know, not everything, it's not everything has to be Rome. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day, right? It, not everything has to be the Colosseum. Not everything has to be a Statue of Liberty, um, so I, I, I would say instead of going for like massive page count, try and do a really, really polished four to eight page entry. So for instance, if you want to see something that is really good, and I this is you know personal stuff aside, um, I've, I've read some reviews online, like Francois de Rocher did a really great one um, on his Rogue Scholar um, blog, but... Uh, it's in shining armor the the culture of glitter boy pilots by johnny racha um he is working on the savage rifts uh team and he's doing he's also doing some stuff with palladium and you'll be hearing a lot more about him in the future but uh this is a really great example of an article that is short but sweet and um adds a lot it actually doesn't even have any rules to be uh but uh, adds a lot of great ideas and material they'll get any game master cooking. Um, and that, and that, and so that's just a suggestion, right? Uh, but yeah, um, we, we really are excited about uh, Rifter 86 and making, uh, you know, getting great ideas out there in front of everybody. So awesome. And well, you need to be sending in the, the next bit too for your stuff, sorry. sir. Sir, yes, sir. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> spit polish it a little bit more. So, but all right. Well, with that, do you have uh, any final things that you want to throw out there for the listeners? Uh, the only thing I would want to say is, I just want to say I'm so happy and proud to be a part of the Rifts community. Um, whether it's working on Savage Rifts material or Palladium material. Um, I'm, 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 I'm very excited to be associated with both Palladium Books as uh, the creative director and Kevin's business partner. I'm super excited to be working with Shane and Simon and Clint and Jody and uh, Daryl and all the great people at, um, at Pinnacle. So I just want to thank everyone for their support. Uh, it means a lot to me. I love engaging with you guys. Um, I... I appreciate feedback. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, the fan feedback period for the revised edition of Savage Rifts was awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, more and more interaction with the fans in the future. So again, I just, just, just big love and, and thanks to everyone involved, and uh, we we appreciate your support. You know, uh, that this is how I feed myself. This is how I. Uh, you know, feed my daughter. <laughs> this is this is uh, this is how uh, we make sure that the legacy can continue, and we can do it more and more for um, for you, our fans. So keep those ideas coming in. Uh, you may have noticed that a lot of the things I talked about this interview were things that fans came to me and requested, whether uh, through uh, Q and As online or 
um, on the Savageress, you know, Facebook group or um, on the forums or uh, through through the open house. So again, thanks for everybody for being such an active part of the community and making it a great place that welcomes a lot of new people. Awesome. Yep. I've loved riffs pretty much since I bought the first book and I'm uh, <laughs> definitely happy that uh, you were able to join us today and kind of spread a little bit of that love and knowledge. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks so much, you, man. Yeah. So to our fellow rifters, we will talk to you later. Have a good night. If you have any refugee questions, wish to leave a mission report or submit a legionnaire for legionnaire's last call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Please join our community at Facebook Savage Rifts, MeWe Savage Rifts, or check out savagerifts.com. The Voice of Hope is a Savage Rifts fan podcast. The music in the intro and prologue are Killers and Rhinos theme by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Savage Worlds and Deadlands are copyrighted 2016 and trademarked to Pinnacle Entertainment Group, all rights reserved. Rifts and the Megaverse are Registered trademarks and collecting books.